The views and opinions expressed by tonight's guest and topic of discussion do not necessarily represent the official policy or position of Spaced Out Radio. Spaced Out Weekend, Spaced Out Radio Limited, its hosts, syndicated carriers, or anyone associated with this broadcast. Any rebroadcast, reproduction, or other use of this broadcast or podcast without the express written consent of Spaced Out Radio or Spaced Out Radio Limited is strictly prohibited. Listener discretion is advised. the mountains of British Columbia to you listening around the world. This is Spaced Out Radio with host Dave Scott. They let us play with all our toys. They let us think that we're big boys. They let us make a lot of noise but we're in the world. They let us think we're Superman. You can follow us on our website, spacedoutradio.com on iTunes and tune in. Follow Dave on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio on Facebook at Spaced Out Radio Show, or on our YouTube channel, Spaced Out Radio Show. Are you playing with Bigfoot and aliens again? Uh, Dad, you gotta stop haunting the goat. It's scaring them. All right, seriously, put down the pointy sticks. Okay! Game on! Game on! Game on! Word is. Alright, alright, alright. Buckle up, space travelers. It's time to go for a ride on Space Down Radio. Mr. Bumblefoot, Dave is ready for liftoff. Seriously, Dave? Really? Aren't you a little old for a tinfoil hat? I am. Toby. Bye-bye. 
Good evening and welcome to Spaced Out Radio tonight. I am your host, Dave Scott, and it's great to have you along for the ride on this Wednesday night, March 22nd, Thursday, March 23rd, if you're on the East Coast. Hope you are having a good time as we are live right here in Uncle Jimbo's cabin, right here in the Great White North, live seven days a week. We welcome everyone listening in at WQEE 99 Rock the Key in Noonan, Georgia, SpacedOutRadio.com, on Spreaker, on the United Public Radio Network, Renegade Talk Radio, the High Plains Talk Radio Network, and on Revolution Radio. Mr. Ron Bubblefoot Thal, formerly of Guns N' Roses, currently of Art of Anarchy, is our man behind the music. Bubblefoot Rock us in and out of every single show as he is the official sound of SOR. Hey, if you're a social media junkie like I am, give us a follow on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio. Give our Facebook page a like, Spaced Out Radio Show. You can go on Instagram, follow me at Dave Scott, SOR. Subscribe to our YouTube channel, Spaced Out Radio Show. Tune us in on TuneIn. Download our shows from iTunes. We're also on RadioGuide.fm, TalkStream Live, and on Stitcher. And, of course, our website is SpacedOutRadio.com. And if you head on over to Patreon.com, we have some really cool swag we are offering you there as well for as low as $1 a month. So make sure you check it out. If you want to take part in this show, we do not take phone calls. You have to sign into one of the chat rooms, either on our website, spacedoutradio.com, click on the Listen Live button, takes you right to the chat room, either on Revolution Radio, on Spreaker, on the UPRN chat room, or on Facebook at the SOR Space Travelers Club, or if you're on Twitter, just like Dennis just did, and Canadian Joe, use the hashtag spacedoutradio, I will get to your questions in there as well. If you head to our website for just 5 bucks a month, we're offering you a chance to become an SOR space traveler. we got really decent swag to offer you there, so check it out. We have a brand new news section called The Encounter Online, courtesy of our editors Eric Markham and Everett Themer. You can also check out my latest blog there as well. And if you have a sighting you can't explain, fill out an SOR sightlines report. Our researcher Mike Schmidt is ready to find out what's going on. We are live on Terrestrial Radio on WQEE 99 Rock the Key in Noonan, Georgia. That's where they film The Walking Dead. Also live on the United Public Radio Network on 107.7 FM in New Orleans. And their listeners from over 160 countries around the world. Good to have you with us. We're live in Las Vegas on Renegade Talk Radio and on Revolution Radio. Remember, the Double R Machine is a donation station financed by you, the valued listener. Head on over to freedomslips.com and donate today. What is real and what is not? The way the media and the government act these days, it's a little difficult to actually answer that question at times, isn't it? From fake news to disinformation about everything that is against the social norm, we as a society seem to be very confused to figure out what is going on. And really, can you blame us? It's tough to know what the truth is anymore. And really, we've seen this play out since Roswell when the UFO crashed way back in 1947. Remember the army coming out and saying, well, it's just a weather balloon. See what you're calling a UFO? No, it didn't happen that way. Yeah, I know. Tonight, we have researcher and investigator Greg Bishop coming in. 
Greg is someone who keeps his eyes close to the scenes to see what's being covered up next. In 1991, Greg co-founded a magazine called The Excluded Middle, which was a journal of UFO, conspiracy research, psychedelia, and new science. He studied everything from UFOs and alien abduction to hidden and black projects that happen to be hiding under our very noses. This is one busy man with one big brain filled with information greg welcome to spaced out radio for the first time glad to have you aboard how you been doing i'm doing great thanks for that great introduction and it's fun to be on i hope i live up to the hype (laughs) (laughs) i'm sure you will my friend because you know the one thing that i love about doing this show is every day we learn something new Every day we get new information, and we have a brilliant audience that participates in this show, and their questions will come in the chat rooms. I know they will because they do every night. And they're at the point where they're like all of us, man. They don't want the rug pulled over their eyes anymore. They want the truth. They want everything that's going on. So I'm going to hit you up right off the bat what is the truth anymore? Could you, could you, after all your 20-some years of research, figure out what the truth is? Mm-mm, nope. But you can get close to it because, but, and it takes time, and it takes effort, and it takes looking at different sources. If you, you, if you count on one source for any of your information, I think you're already lost. The problem is most people, that's all they can do. I mean, it's like you got to go to a job. You have families. You have commitments. It's really hard to do that. But, you you know, if you want to stay informed and have an informed opinion, you kind of have to go to places that you don't normally go to and see what their point of view is. I make an effort to do that, even though it's painful sometimes, because sometimes I learn something. So when you go back to 1991 and even previous to that, my friend, what led you into this field of mystery? What brought you to the, today's date where you probably have more information in your pinky finger than most of us have in our entire bodies, especially those with overweight, <laughs> you know, like, like myself here right now. Because I'm, I'm going to be honest with you, Greg. I'm having a fat day today. I know men aren't supposed to have that, but I am. Oh, no, I have them too, and it, it really bothers me, you know. It's kind of like, oh, I guess I shouldn't eat anything today because I feel so big. And then, you know, around, around noon you start yelling at people and you realize maybe you should eat. Anyway, I don't know if I have more information than anybody else does. I do on certain things, um, but not you know not uh, not everything. And there's certain things that used to interest me that don't anymore, and other things that interest me more. I don't know what got me started. What I usually tell people is that my dad used to take us to the library when we were kids, my sister and I, and he said, "Go for it. Uh, read to, read, get two or three books, read them, and we'll come back next week and we'll do it again." He did that for years when we were little kids. From when I was, you know, probably when I could start reading. Anyway, and I don't know why I did this, but I went and read all the UFO and paranormal and, and ghost and cryptozoology books in a library, in a, in a library, in the local library. Then we went to another one that was a little further away, and I read all the ones there that weren't in the first place. Um, one reason is that uh, I think the, the weird phenomena section is like 001 in the Dewey Decimal Systems. That's the first thing I came up to. <laughs> and I, I didn't really go much further. Right after that, I think it's aviation, and later I got a pilot's license, so maybe there's something to do with that. I don't know. But did you ever think that your life would be consumed with conspiracy, UFOs, black operations, government disinformation? Mm, no, you know, I kind of weaseled my way into it just by who I met, who I talked to, and what I did. 
And I, I am still interested in that angle. I'm sort of more interested now in the, uh, in, um, what causes UFO reports. I think I kind of started specializing in UFO stuff pretty early on. Um, but yeah, I, the fact that a lot of the research I did, particularly for Project Beta, had to do with black projects um, gave me kind of an insight uh, into what those were uh, and mainly how they were protected, actually, um, which is kind of a fascinating thing. And I don't, you know, uh, I don't agree with everybody that, that the government's evil. It's not a it's not a it's not a um, what's the word? It's not a monolith. There's bits of it. There's large parts of it that don't really care about any of us. And that's the part I'm worried about. And that's the part probably everybody's worried about. Um, There's other parts of it, probably vast swaths of the government where people are trying to do the best job they can. And um, and often nobody ever notices because they do their job. Um, But, yeah, I mean, if there's power to be abused, it's abused. And I'm interested in that, too. Absolutely. And, you know, one of the things that got me going in this field, Greg, is my own personal experiences. And as you have had personal experiences in learning about this, has it ever really come to you that people who are having, whether it's Bigfoot contact, alien contact, government intervention, their lines being tapped, or even a ghostly encounter in their house, has it ever occurred that maybe... Just maybe we as a society need to start looking into these experiences a little bit more because the one thing that I have noticed is a lot of the experiencers out there, Greg, they really tend to feel that they are almost being shunned these days, that their story is no longer relevant, that they feel that even though people still want to hear their story, it's not leading to any more answers than when it was when people first started talking about UFOs on a daily basis coming out of the 40s. Well, I think the, the, the problem is, is um, the main problem is that people look to authority, seemingly the ones they don't trust, for answers. And the good thing about um, the internet and what's happened in the le- and shows like yours and mine and a lot of people I know is that people are exchanging exchanging this information themselves, which I think is a lot more effective than going to the government and saying or some authority and saying what is going on here, um, because I don't think you're going to get a straight answer out of them. But if you're careful and you have a lot of smart friends and you take the time to do some research. I think you can get a few answers about what's going on, or at least a little bit more insight on some of these uh, strange subjects. But you have, like I said at the beginning here, you have to do the work. You can't just sit there and let people feed you information. You have to go out and seek it out yourself. And when you start seeing, and you know this too, Dave, when you start seeking stuff out, some of these things either, like you said, they, they, they lead to more questions a lot of the time. But also you become engaged with the subject, and that becomes a little bit of therapy in itself, if you know what I mean. Absolutely. And you know what? I can honestly tell you that when I started having my own experiences, Greg, my depression and my anxiety went into full force. And the later, as I started doing this show, I realized that a lot of other experiencers are like me, that they actually have had the same symptoms as well, because... It is such a mental stress trying to figure out what is going on with you at any given time when you don't know when these experiences are going to happen. And and that's why, you know, I, I'm lucky enough that 
I had a radio background that I could do something about it. But there's a lot of people who can't. Do you still like talking to people who have had experiences? Do you feel that you're closer to an answer when you say put experience A with experience B? Or do you find that it is much higher than the experience now for where you are? Mm, well, you know, if when I do talk to people that had weird things happen to them, the first thing I don't do is tell them what I think it is, unless they ask. And often that is, I don't know, I'm sorry to say. Um, but I've got this feeling after looking at this for what, I don't know how many years now, since the, at least since I became interested again in the late 80s, um, that whatever answers are going to come out are probably in the form of understanding more than the word answer. And even more importantly, I don't think you can explain to somebody what happened to them and put it in a context that works for everybody. Whenever somebody has a weird experience or an abduction or whatever you want to call it, I think, especially with the UFO thing, it is very individual. The reaction is very individual. So it's hard to take somebody and tell them, you know, this is what happened to you. It may not be what happened to them at all. From their point of view, it's something completely insane from your point of view. But to them, it makes sense. So I think you have to learn to come to terms with whatever your own experience is and realize that you might not get, you know, you might not get somebody saying, I had that exact same experience. In fact, I, it might be rare. I don't know because I've never, I've never had any of these weird things happen to me. But I do believe that it's very individual, the, the way the people experience it, and that there's a problem with telling people, you know, you were abducted by aliens and this is what happened. There was a medical. I, I think that if that hadn't been put down as the, whatever the standard um, way back when by people like Bud Hopkins, and I'm not putting these people down, but Bud Hopkins and John Mack and, and David Jacobs, um, that I think you would see the variety. It was, would be much more um, evident. And in fact, if you look at reports of, you know, kind of close encounter and humanoid reports from other countries and across time, there's a great deal of um, uh, variety. And I think that's because the individual experiences, remembers, and, you know, tells others and themselves about the, their experience over and over again, and it becomes something they can handle. Um, and uh, tracking it, I think, is uh, tracking it into one phenomenon or one way that it happens might be a bad idea. Do you feel, after all this time that you have been investigating this, do you feel ripped off that you haven't had your own personal experience yet? Yeah, kind of. <laughs> I do. I mean, I've, you know, you talk to some people. I interviewed Carla Turner in the 90s. You remember who she was? Yes. Yeah, I interviewed her in 93 or 4, something like that. And the morning, the, the night before and during the morning hours of when I was going to interview her, and this was in Austin. I was staying at a friend's house in Austin because it was the Austin Mutual UFO Network National Conference. Um. I woke up at 111, 222, 333, 444, and 555. I have never done that before, and I've, it's never happened since. And I told her that, and she said, that's a classic abduction scenario, having that happen. I said, really? She said, maybe, maybe I should interview you. And I said, nah. But that's the only time that happened, and I, I was thinking, and I'd never heard of it before. So there's something weird going on there where somehow 
whatever was going on with Carla Turner, who was definitely um, having some sort of interaction or abduction experiences, and me, who are, who's going to talk to her that day, something happened where that field of weirdness spread to me for one night. And the funny thing is, the next day when I left, um, uh, my friend told me that when he took me to the airport, some friends told him that they saw a couple guys come and they were working on the house, like in like overalls or whatever. And they left. And after they left, his uh, water heater or, some, or his furnace or something caught on fire and almost burned the place down. No kidding. I don't know what was going on there, but that, that's just one example of the extreme weirdness that goes on around people that have strange experiences. I'm sure you've had weird things go on that have don't seem to have anything to do with your experiences, but are extremely strange nonetheless. You know what? My experiences have all been personal, but I can honestly say, knock on wood, okay, and to whatever government official is listening to this, because we know they're listening to all of these shows, or at least recording them. You know, I take a different approach on this. I really don't care what the government is hiding. I, it's fun to learn. It really is. But in the end, I also know that that's not my job. My job is to get the stories out so people can learn and maybe put them towards their own experiences so that way they have answers. I know. Yeah, right, exactly. I have no idea if Spaced Out Radio is, you know, we started with about 12 to 15 listeners a night. We're well over 100,000 listeners a night now. And I don't know if any of us in total could make a difference. Therefore, I don't worry about that. But I can understand where we have people, Greg, okay, and, I, and I'm going to bring up a very controversial name when I say this, but when you have people like Phil Schneider or even, to a lesser extent, Stan Romanik, who is in his own court battles right now, who have gone out there, they have challenged the government, they have challenged officials, they have challenged the military about what they are saying, I can see where these people have got into trouble. Because they're almost like homeland terrorists accusing the government of what the government doesn't want to be accused of. Therefore, I could see that type of reaction. But no, I, as far as I know, I have never had my phones tapped. I've never had someone come knocking at my door saying, you know, you might not want to broadcast this. And I've even told friends and family, I said, if the government knocked at my door tomorrow and said, look, we want you to stop working on Spaced Out Radio, and by the way, here's a check to shut you up, I'm probably gone because I do like money and I do have bills to pay and I do have a family to take care of. But in the meantime, I don't think we're doing anything that's going to you know, send, set off the alarms and, and shut people up. You know, I don't just don't I think, think we're doing that. I actually think that's very rare, especially in the UFO thing. I don't think Stan, personally, I don't think Stan Romanek or Phil Schneider set off anybody's alarms. The only time you're going to set off alarms like that are if a lot of people are listening to you and you're saying something that's actually true. Um, there's no way to know whether Romanek, not, well, I don't know too much about Romanek, uh, that anything that Phil Schneider said was actually true because there's no way to check up on it. And uh, two, hardly anybody ever listened to him, so he's not that much of a threat. When there's a lot of people listening, yeah, then I suppose that, that would become a threat. And, you know, I, I don't know if you consider maybe Danny Casolaro was one of those. I don't know. But um, I'm, I'm really, 
I'm really careful when I try to figure out who might have been silenced or not because I don't think silencing people is is really done anymore. It's kind of done almost, you know, if you stick with the Romanek thing, if it's uh, and I do think he's guilty of what he what he was doing. Um, I, I, I'm, I'm pretty sure of that. But if you want to, it's a lot easier to embarrass somebody out of the field than it is to kill or make them sick or whatever. Um, so, but I, like I said, I think most most people in power don't really pay attention to a lot of these people because it's not it's not something that a lot of people listen to. Um, like if if Alex Jones was saying something that really really uh, affected the government or made people made people in power um, nervous. I don't think he'd be broadcasting anymore from way back when. Well, um, now, that's just my opinion. Well, now he has at least a president backing him. Yeah, exactly. Now he now he can he says all kinds of insane things, and and uh, the president backs him. So absolutely, I don't know. To me, he's like a stop clock thing. Once in a while, he'll say something. Damn, this is this is something really needs to be looked into. But the but the show is just you know the show and the and the and the. The, the the what's it called the the dressing around it all is just so noisy that I have a hard time listening to it. So the big question then is to follow up on what you said, Greg, is what is the truth? How do we know? You How don't. Do we- <laughs> what the truth is? What makes you think that you, is? Hmm. The truth is what you think it is as as uh, after you've done all your research. And if you still don't know what the truth is after you've done all your research, you're probably on the right track. That's that's all. That's, that would be my point of view. <laughs> but a lot of people come up with these conspiracy theories. A lot of people come up with these these feelings that they're being followed, that they're being watched, and maybe it's because I had we, that. Okay, so for let's say the average everyday Joe who is having alien abduction experiences, do you believe mm-hmm. then that it is maybe paranoia or that they are being watched by government officials at that same time? I believe something's happening to them as far as being watched by people. I don't know. I'm not going to say no because I have no way of knowing. I think that some people that have had claimed abduction experiences have definitely been watched or messed with or or um, uh, monitored, or whatever. I, I'm almost certain of that. Um, and it hooks in with my paranoia that I had a, a period where I thought my phones were tapped, that people were taking pictures of my house, that my mail was being opened, and I was getting strange phone calls. And this is, it wasn't an illusion. My mail was being opened. I, especially from, every letter I got from Carla Turner was opened. Every single one until I told her, I said, Carla, do you you realize that every single letter you sent me is is either mutilated or obviously opened? She said, oh, yeah, that happens with some people. Let me take care of that. And she she took this putting a piece of tape across the envelope she was sending to me that said sealed by sender and it stopped. And the thing is, if you want to open people's mail, you can do it without them knowing. So if you see the envelopes, envelopes open, somebody wants you to know. Anyway, so for a period of a few months or a year, everything she sent me was open. I had um, a phone call. People would call my phone. This was before I had a cell phone in the 90s. They would call my phone, my landline. And the thing would ring for 50, 80, 100 rings. Because first I'd pick it up and there'd be nobody there or some noise on the line, some strange noise. And I thought, oh, it's mind control. They're trying to send through the phone. So I'd hang the phone up. And we'd call right back and just keep doing that and doing it. This went on for months. Um, I thought my landlord was spying on me. It got really 
I mean, it, I got to the point where it's, you know, I was just kind of sitting in the house going, I, should I even go out? Or, um, And then I made a decision. I said, you know what, I'm just going to stop worrying about this because I can't take this anymore. I'm either going to kill myself or go crazy or whatever. Let me just stop thinking everybody's watching me. So let me just try that for a while as an experiment. And it stopped. And I didn't wow. tell anybody I was going to stop thinking that way. It just stopped. And the weird thing is that that stuff was actually happening. I wasn't imagining my mail being opened. I wasn't imagining people calling my phone number. I wasn't, you know. But it all stopped when I decided to stop thinking about it in that way. Um, so I don't know what happened in that case. I don't know if it's because it's the way I was thinking about it or somebody read my mind and stopped. I have no idea. But that, that's another thing I discovered after doing this for a long time. What you think about something really determines how you experience it in a really in a very real way that other people will notice, which is a, very, a weird mystery, you know? I mean, it, you'd think if somebody really was following you or pay, paying attention to you or whatever – that it would just, you know, how you felt about it would make no difference. But in my case, and I've heard other people this happen to as well. Paul Krasner, the uh, the the uh, satirist and um, radical from the 60s, he said the same thing happened to him. As soon as he stopped think, being paranoid about stuff, most of it went away. In fact, after a while, all of it went away. Very strange. So you've mentioned Dr. Carla Turner a couple of times. Do you think yeah. she was murdered? Uh, no, because she's a smoker and smokers get cancer. Um, although, you know, there's many ways to give people cancer without, uh, without them knowing it and all that. And if somebody's smoking, and so, I, I don't think she was a threat. You, you have to get to a certain point where a lot of people are listening to you. And like I said, I think killing people went out with Kennedy. It's just, it's just too messy. Um, unless you're a political person, you know, like you know, <laughs> a Russian ambassador or something. <laughs> but that's Russia doing it. I can tell you one thing. I had a gentleman on my show back in 2015. His name was John Corner. And he wrote, a, he wrote a book about the CIA killing JFK, Martin Luther King, and Malcolm X. And he was just getting his voice back. Because literally a week after he went into, uh, or after his book was, was published, and it was published by a major distributor, he he went out for lunch, and all of a sudden, a couple days later, he's not feeling well. He goes to his doctor, and his doctor says, "Have have you been traveling to to Southeast Asia recently?" And yeah. he goes, "He goes, no. Why? He had an internal flesh eating disease that could only oh. be found in the jungles of Vietnam or Laos or somewhere <laughs> in that region, and yeah. to this day." It's not something you can get virally, so it's not like he right. could be. You know, it's, it wasn't like a cold or something along those lines. It was something you had to ingest. And the only right. time he had been out of his house was when he went for lunch with a friend of his right after the book came out. So, do you right. believe? Do you believe then that there are certain people who are testing the limits that may be on some sort of hit list or severe warning list? Yes, I do. I, I'm. I'm not sure of it, but I think it's well within the range of possibility. Absolutely. Do you feel that they are still in the game of killing the way they were in the 60s? Uh, not as much, because you can, one, you can monitor people a lot better now, especially if they're on the Internet, obviously. 
And two, like I said, it's messy to kill people. It's just it it makes more people pay attention. If you've got nobody, if you've got five people paying attention to you, and you say something that pisses off the government, and suddenly you die mysteriously, you're going to have uh, you're going to have a, a thousand people listening at that point and wondering what the hell happened and looking at what you were talking about. Why do that? Just em- embarrass or you know, or um, get somebody interested in something else, or you know, uh, make them look bad, or you know, uh, you know, plant and en- plant evidence on them or something. I, I don't think the uh, Killing is is messy, final, and draws too much attention. I think. What about somebody like Max Spears, who was found in Europe with some sort of black goo coming out of him? There was a man who was very, very controversial. I, I, I think you know the story. Yeah, you know, I know the story. What What do you think about something like him? Do you think because of what he used to do, and because there is such secrecy around some sort of government black ops and secret space program, that maybe he was speaking a little bit too truthful? It's possible. I I I I can't say for sure uh, one way or the other. I have suspicions, uh, but they're not enough to say no. He was killed by. You know, and, and ultimately, a lot of these things you have to go on suspicions. Even the JFK assassination, which I'm pretty sure was not Oswald acting alone, I'm almost certain of that. But I'm not a hundred percent sure. I can't be a hundred percent sure of anything. It, it, I think that a lot of people don't realize this. People I get in with uh, debates online and things like that is that things are not cut and dry. They, they just almost never in the real world are. You, you deal in probabilities. And you have to check out the probabilities and realize, you know, when you're being led by your emotions rather than doing some actual real research and figuring out if something is uh, has merit or not. As far as uh, Spears are concerned, I, I really don't know. I would tend to think not, but I don't I haven't done enough research to tell you that I could have a a, um, a uh, well-informed opinion on it. Well, you just mentioned people who were doing research, and this gets to Sungazer's question in the Revolution Radio chat room. He's asking mm-hmm. to ask you, what about all the journalists who've been covering these stories, and they've just died mysteriously? Journalists are easy targets. Yeah, I know. Um, the only one I can think of is a guy that was driving, actually, this. I can't, he was doing a story on a guy in the Navy, and about three years ago, I can't remember his name. But he ran into a tree in the middle of the night in his car, uh, right about two miles from me, actually. Um, and I, I'm willing to consider that that you know, there's even ideas that you and you can you can control people's cars. I think uh, certain cars, the uh, you can take control of the software, I believe, uh, and um, make them do things that the car wouldn't normally do. And that could have happened in his case. I don't know for sure because I haven't seen any specific evidence about it. Um, but yeah, that, it, these things are not off the table. It's just that I don't, you know, I'm not a hundred percent sure of them and you have to live with not being a hundred percent sure and, and, and stay informed and stay suspicious. Um, that, 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 that's, that's all I can do, you know, as, as, from my point of view, I'm not a journalist. Um, I can just, I do the same thing everybody else does is I look stuff up online and if I'm really interested, if I can, I get in touch with people and ask them questions. Um, but uh, that, the, usually it's just for the UFO stuff I'm interested in. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, uh, you know, it, once you start asking somebody a question, what you hear in the news and what you hear online and all that is often really not exactly what happened. Uh, 
it's you if you really want to know what happened you have to actually get out there and talk to people mm-hmm. um, and that's difficult it's difficult for most it's difficult for me mm-hmm. what is your take then on government disinformation and what they are telling us or not telling us and i bring that up because I'm going to take you back to February 13, 2015, when John Podesta, love him or hate him, or if you want to go through the conspiracy side, you can. It doesn't matter. But to me, mm-hmm. when I saw that, when I was a journalist, the one thing that I learned very well was that you had to learn to read between the lines sometimes because there was right. a story within the story. You can agree on that, right, Greg? Yep. Okay. And when he ominously tweeted out on February 13th, 2015, when he was leaving President Obama's White House chair, he said, Finally, my biggest regret of 2014 was not disclosing the hashtag disclosure of the UFO files, hashtag the truth is still out there. The reason why I think that is ominous and some sort of disinformation is because on a media standpoint... Back in the day, if the media was doing their job, they would realize that the top civilian in the United States had just basically said, UFOs are real, sorry people, I cannot get the information on what we know out, and the media dropped the ball. Most outlets did not even cover that tweet. And the way I look at it, Greg, is next to Jesus Christ himself coming down from the heavens, aliens and UFOs are the next biggest story in mankind's history. So I'm curious what you think about that type of government disinformation or even media disinformation or lack of reporting. Well, as far as... Oh, uh, my friend Steve Ray said Michael Hastings was the car, the guy that died in the car wreck. So if anybody wants to look that up. Um, as far as... Uh, uh, Remind me what you just asked me. I'm sorry. Well, just in regards to that ominous tweet from John Podesta. Oh, Podesta, yeah. Yeah, um, I'll I'll tell you what I think after talking to a lot of people in the government, and a lot, a few, um, being close to people who who were trying to find out the truth, um, civilian and military and, you know, uh, people in intelligence. My feeling about it is that the disclosure movement is is uh, is barking up the wrong tree. They're asking people who they don't trust to give them a uh, give them an answer that they've already got in their minds. That aliens are here, the government knows it, and they are doing all the things that people say that, that that think that they're doing. I don't think the government knows that. I think they're almost as confused as we are, but they have a big, much bigger database. Meaning, you know, they, they they know they've talked to people, they've looked into it, and I think the I think the secret is the main secret is something's here. We don't know what to do about it, and we don't know how to control it. I think that's the secret. The secret isn't crash saucers and you know deals with aliens and all that. From everybody I know that's I've talked to, and from people outside of that, people that have had weird experiences and all that, it's just so strange and so off the map and so weird and doesn't make sense that um, people in power are kind of worried about it. They, they have no control over it. They have no control about when it'll happen to people, what's going to happen or stopping it or anything. And I, I think that's the big secret. Um, 
if you want to talk about Roswell and things like that, I think that's just window dressing. The big secret is <laughs> it's something that we don't know how to control. And if you're in power and you don't know how to control something, then it doesn't look like you're much, you know, as much in power anymore. So that that's my feeling on um, a lot of these uh, leaks, uh, Podesta and all that. I think Podesta has been told some things, but not everything. And he's just as in the dark as a lot of us. Maybe he said that stuff to make to get somebody to to push push some push some more information out. I do not know. You know, people often do that in the government. They'll announce something that's just kind of oblique to the to the subject just to get somebody to make somebody nervous so that they say something. Um, but but so the way, I don't know. But, but you know, all my thought comes from that one thing that it's it's so strange that even people in power don't know what to do about it. I understand that, yeah. but the, but the way he was egging on the media to take control of this story, basically saying, hey, ladies and gentlemen, here's this story. There is this information being kept from you. You are a journalist. Do your job. Look into mm-hmm. this. And they wouldn't bite. And they wouldn't yeah, bite. Yeah, because it's, it's still covered with ridicule as far as they're concerned, which is really strange because most people already accept that there's something going on and there's aliens here and all that. I don't know why nobody's told the journalists that. But as soon as the journalists start making a stink about it or coming out with any kind of information, their colleagues and the people that uh, uh, are supposed to um, determine what reality is tell them that they're nuts and you're, you're going to ruin your career and all that. And that's a problem. And I don't know why that goes on. I think I know why it goes on, because it's still a subject treated with ridicule by people who report the news to us, at least the main ones. Um, and I don't know when that's going to end. I think it's I, like I said. I think it's a bottom up thing. We have to go. Th- we have to go for it ourselves by doing things like listening to this show and um, reading books and and staying informed and staying balanced a bit. Uh, I think that's the way to go about it. Because, like I said, yeah, the, the, I think the, the main answer is is that they just don't do it out of embarrassment, which is which is which is a tragedy. I guess the funniest moment for me. And this is the only reason why I think I wished Hillary had, had had gotten in as president, because I would like to see how much she would actually come out and say, because if Podesta went public saying part of my agreement and Hillary admitted it, part of her the, uh, Podesta's agreement was disclosing the UFO files, I'm curious to see how far that would have got. And how much play that would have got. And when they started releasing, how much energy would the media have put into those stories? Unfortunately, we'll never know. Yeah, yeah, we won't know. I don't think that would have gotten very far. One, because I don't know what the hell they're going to disclose, for one thing. And two, you've got that, whatever, you know, Stan Friedman calls it the laughter curtain. You've got that ridicule factor that... um, keeps that kind of stuff from from edging off the other stories on the front page. And it will for a while till I think it comes from the bottom up and everybody has their own realization and realizes that they don't have to have the media and the government telling them what's going on because they can they can find out for themselves. The big question is if a UFO landed on the roof of CNN down in Atlanta, would they report on it? And that's they wouldn't a- even see it. <laughs> I, I, you know what? As as sad and as sarcastic as that question is, I think there's there's honest validity to that. You know, because they've denied it, 
when and you know what more i guess the way i look at it with the public in regards to john podesta is what more does the public need than the highest ranking civilian official in the country saying i'm trying to get this out here people and nobody listens well i think there's a disconnect here because i think most people already believe that there's something going on and there's a presence here a lot of people i think a majority of people think that but the media doesn't does not address it because you know the loud the loud people that determine like I said that determine what we're supposed to believe will start ridiculing them. Um, I think that's why you know like I said shows books websites and all that like yours mine and people I know that's why people read those things because it's not treated with ridicule. Um, you know and there's a spectrum all the way from the most absolutely outlandish junk to stuff that's very thought provoking and and possible. Um, and there's a lot of the, you know, every everything in between on that spectrum, uh, and I think that's the way it's going to stay um, until people, like I said, have have some way to experience weird stuff, probably almost on demand for themselves. Then there'll be th- then the people can they'll say we don't care what the government says; we already know what it is. And then there, you know, then the, it, it's a bypass. I think the phenomenon, if it has a consciousness, which I think it does is trying to, like Whitley Strieber said, it's trying to bypass authority and bring this straight to people um, I, I, in, in a lot of cases. But that's a tough one, and it's going to take a really long time. Do you believe then, and I'm not sure if I do, but I'm going to take my tinfoil hat off here for a second, because I, <laughs> I actually do have one. My daughter made me one just the other day. But but do you believe, then, that there is some sort of shadow government controlling the strings of what can be said and what cannot? I think there are elements within the power structure that want to keep control. And they do it whatever way they can. And by controlling what stories get out um, is, is part of that. Uh, I, I'm pretty sure of that. I've been sure of that for a long time, and I'm sure most of your listeners have. I don't know about it. A shadow government, I, to me, it sounds like there's a bunch of people that sit in a room and they, they make policy no matter what the real electric government does. I don't think that's it. I think it's more like um, people with a certain agenda who will who cooperate with each other, like a conspiracy. Um, but it's, it's, not, it's not some organized thing. It's just a lot of people with the same agenda um, pushing for the same uh, ends, meaning you know, uh, covering up things that they don't want people to see, um, mostly having to do with giving them more power and you less power and money. Well, let me ask you some direct questions on this, as we only got about ten minutes left in our first okay. hour with you. Do you believe then that there is a secret space program? There's a lot of indications that there are, but I haven't looked into it as much as someone like, say, my friend Walter Bosley or uh, Richard Dolan. Um, there's a lot to be said for it. And it, it, it makes a lot of practical sense, too. Have a secret space program where you're developing surveillance and weapons that you don't tell anybody else about. And then, of course, there's that uh, Matthew Williams thing about hacking into the servers and hearing of, and reading something about uh, a, a space command or something like that where there's – there is a standing uh, army or personnel or something like that um, that are involved in, in uh, orbital uh, uh, research and presence and maybe on other planets, at least on the moon. So I'm not sure about that, but 
it makes practical sense to have a a secret space program. Yes, I don't know how far that goes though. What about all of these false flags that are apparently happening and crisis actors that we seem to be seeing at all of these different events? We seem to see the same person. Who hasn't seen all the memes about the crying lady on the cell phone? She she seems to pop up everywhere. I want her job, especially if she gets air miles. Yeah, I am not... You're... You're discussing things with me that I don't know a whole hell of a lot about, and maybe I should. Um, I think that I don't know how many things are staged. I do think that whenever something happens, if it can be used to the advantage of you know people having more control over us and looking more into our lives and looking more into our you know into our online and 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 uh, real world activities, that is used. I don't know about starting them. There's enough crazy people that have that do this stuff that um, I think there's plenty of uh, there's plenty of uh, incidents where you don't have to make anybody do anything, a la Sirhan or whatever you want to. If you want to, if you want to uh, uh, use that as an example, but um, like I said, it's a lot easier now to create create reality after the fact. Let's get I think that goes on a lot more than having a, a false flag. Or I may be completely ignorant and people can tell me that I've just, I don't know enough. But that's how I feel about it, knowing the little that I do. Yeah, you know what? None of us know. That's the problem. None of us know. And that's what I find intriguing about this is because one day, you know, the curiosity will get to me. I will need to, to figure out what is going on. But, you know, when you look at NASA and you look at them not having a shuttle program, then you see that we have, as or the American side of NASA, has to rely on Russia to get astronauts up to the International Space Station, yet there's tension on the ground between America and Russia. It kind of makes you scratch your head and say, what really is going on? Is there something that is just the media's reporting, or do you think that it's something that is just a little bit out to lunch or way above our pay scale. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And I wonder about that stuff all the time, but there's little I can do about it except for to be informed on things that matter to me and that I'm interested in. Um, and that tends to be the UFO subject, not so much the conspiracy side, although it was in the 90s when I was publishing my magazine with my friends. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had a lot more concentration on the kind of stuff that is kind of mainstream now almost frighteningly mainstream well let's get to some questions from our audiences we got about six minutes before we got to go to break here everett is asking do you think that the public should balance staying suspicious with being fearful or paranoid i think fearful or paranoid should not enter the equation because that makes you react emotionally, and if you react emotionally, you start losing a little bit of your critical thinking. And that's the most important part of staying informed, is staying balanced while you're informed. Mm-hmm. Well, it's gonna uh, f- in the face of what's, you know, some things you might find out, I guess you could get quite paranoid, but you got to fight that. Because by becoming, you know what, the, one of the easiest way to control people is to make them afraid. So keep that in mind. 
Very, very true. Let's get to a follow-up from Everett. He is saying, is it possible then, as we go back to what we were talking about moments ago about journalists, that journalists are tired of disinformation from the government, and that's why they may not be taking a lot of these subjects seriously? Mm, possibly, but I, I've, I, I think most of the bad information that's coming out, it comes from... Um, does not come from the government. I think a lot of the the really the, the the most of the noise comes from people that are trying to get to the bottom of it and listening to rumors and um, stories people have put out that are not true. Um, I, I I don't think a lot of the stuff is coming from the government. I think people are people are quite quite capable of disinforming themselves, which is why I said you know, got to take a step back and look at this stuff sort of dispassionately and see where that leads you. Because if you're led by either fear or obsession or whatever, all you're going to look at is the stuff that, that pisses you off and scares you. And that, that's, 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 that's a road to being controlled. Let's get to a question from Robert all the way down in Australia. And Robert mm-hmm. is saying, when the media starts shoving unwanted media in the public's face and you know there is something else brewing in other areas that should be reported but aren't isn't it fully sure where the focus should be and where do you think that people should look for the hidden information not being reported Mm, you have to find that on your own i I don't have any specific uh sites or sources for you um, the ones that the ones that I tend to trust are the ones that are well. I don't really, you know, I don't wholly one hundred percent trust anyone. But through a you know a, a network of looking of my own network of looking at things, weighing information, um, you know, seeing what people are saying, seeing where the information is coming from, seeing who owns whatever media outlet that is, um, and what their motivation might be you get to a point where you can start to make up your mind about certain things. And mine is different than other people's, which is fine. Um, and the, on, on top of that, the other thing is when you hear something you something you don't like or from somebody you don't like, the worst thing you could possibly do is yell at them and call them names. Mm-hmm. Um, because then you've, you've already shut down communication. Um, that goes back to my, you know, being... Uh, being circumspect, being a little less emotional about things, um, that, and that that drives people apart too. I mean, I, I think that's the, the election in a nutshell. People just they didn't both sides. They would cover their ears and not listen to what they didn't want to hear and call people names that they didn't agree with. That that's a recipe for disaster. That's we're putting we're driving our own wedge between us. We don't need the powers that be to do it. Um, maybe that's part of the plan, but. We got to fight that. You, you can't be mm-hmm. on a personal level. You can't be attacking people. If somebody is just crazy and you don't like them, don't listen to them anymore. Um, but if somebody has a good point to make and they're not being emotional about it, I, I tend to trust them and listen to them more. And that's really rare. You have to look for that. Hmm. I think so too. And we have just under a minute left before we're going to go to our first break of the night here. Do you believe then that maybe there's people being staged as disinformationalists for the field of ufology? Eh, not nearly as much as it used to be because 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 of the internet, it's very easy to for people to you know 
do their own um, to, to, to make up their own stories. However, um, this thing with Tom DeLong, I'm very suspicious of. And I want to get into that in the next hour, if you don't mind, because I've actually had a couple people already ask me that in the chat rooms tonight, your opinion of Tom DeLong. Yeah, it's a big story. Yeah. Yeah, and I think so too. And it's just interesting how all of a sudden, just because he had an interest and is a front man of a very popular rock band, that all of a sudden he's one of the leading researchers in ufology Sounds a little too weird to me. You're listening to Spaced Out Radio. I am your host, Dave Scott. We'll be back right after this break. From coast to coast to coast, Blacklight Uncharted is taking on the paranormal across Canada. From ghostly hauntings to the UFOs flying above in conjunction with MUFON Canada, we're closely investigating what's going on in the northern skies and checking out the apparitions that walk among us. Check out our videos right here at spacedoutradio.com. We want to know your thoughts, we want to hear your experiences, and we want you to share your stories. The answers are out there, and we intend to find them. Would you like to become one of our space travelers? All you have to do is click on the space travelers icon at spacedoutradio.com. For only $5 a month, you can get access to some great prizes, as well as private monthly shows, newsletters, and a members-only section on our website. Become a space traveler today. The third Monday of every month, Spaced Out Radio is going to bring you a different look at everything paranormal. Welcome to the reporters. Jim Mallard, Vanessa Hogel, Denise Garcia, and Christina George join me, Dave Scott, for a look at the weird and strange from the other side of the microphone. We'll break down ghosts, UFOs, cryptids, and the people investigating them. The paranormal media has never been heard like this. Come listen to the reporters. It's paranormal news at its finest. Welcome to The Encounter. At spaceoutradio.com, The Encounter Online is SOR's trusted news source for everything weird and strange going on around the world. This is news editor Eric Markham. Our team of journalists are scouring the planet for those strange stories that rarely make the mainstream. No fear-mongering or fake news here. Head over to spaceoutradio.com and encounter The Encounter. Hey, this is Canadian Paranormal Investigator Mike Moore. The third Wednesday of every month, I'll be teaming up with Dave Scott to bring you Ghosts of the Great White North. Each month, we will bring on guests from across Canada to discuss their ghostly encounters. Canada is a paranormal hotbed with stories you've never heard, so we're going to bring them to you. So get comfy in your Chesterfield, grab a donut, and join us, eh? Have you had an experience you can't explain? Had a run-in with ghosts, maybe Bigfoot, or seen lights in the sky? Hi, I'm Mike Schmidt from the SOR Sightlines. I'm here to investigate your sighting. Head to spacedoutradio.com and fill out a report on the sightlines. All your information is 100% confidential, and I will help you figure out what you've been seeing. File your report, and let's find out the answers together. Visit purpleplates.com today. For over 40 years, the Purple Energy Plates have been delivering amazing results for their many customers. Inspired by the great genius Nikola Tesla, the harmony, healing, and energetic effects of the plates have proven over and over to be beneficial and often miraculous to thousands of customers. With their money-back guarantee and the many benefits, how can you afford not to get one? Check their site for daily specials and choose from their many energy products. You won't be sorry. 
Visit them today at purpleplates.com for mind, body, and spirit, and expect a miracle. Are you interested in advertising on Spaced Out Radio? Head to our website at spacedoutradio.com and click on our advertising tab. There, you will find an assortment of ways you can get your product out there with us, from radio commercials to banners and social media. Have a product you like our hosts to endorse? We can do that too. Visit spacedoutradio.com for more details. Have you got your Cosmic Passport? If you need one, tune in to Cosmic Passport on Spaced Out Weekend. This is Elizabeth Anglin, ET experiencer, spirit medium, and host of Cosmic Passport. Each weekend, I'll be bringing you interviews and support from other paranormal experiencers and the best in intuitive spiritual guidance from across the globe. It's all happening starting at 9 p.m. Pacific Time, midnight Eastern, on spacedoutradio.com. From British Columbia to Northern California, Pacific North Weird has Cascadia covered. Check out our feature videos at spacedoutradio.com, where I, Vincent Zunza, and my super sleuth partner, Alexandra Sullivan, track down the weird and strange stories from around the Pacific Northwest from Bigfoot to Mel's Hole and everything in between. This is what makes life exciting. So why report the normal when we can report the Pacific North Weird? Right here at spacedoutradio.com. Oh, there's only one way to rock. Loud and proud. In high definition, Radio 702 Rocks. Las Vegas. Every Saturday and Sunday night, as Dave Scott wanders aimlessly in the wilderness, you can come hang out with me, James Tyson, and Spaced Out Weekend. Starting at 9 p.m. Pacific, midnight Eastern, I'll take you along as we talk with some of the best experts in their fields. SpacedOutRadio.com is the place to find us, so sit down, relax, put your feet up, enjoy the topics like the paranormal, supernatural, intuitiveness, and so much more. Hope to see you there. Don't have time to listen to Spaced Out Radio Live? Wherever you are, the car, the office, the shower, or even if you're traveling, we're right here for you. Each Spaced Out Radio show can be found on iTunes, TuneIn, and on our YouTube channel, Spaced Out Radio Show. It's the perfect way for you to catch up on our shows. For more information, just head over to our website, spacedoutradio.com, and tune in to us today. Views and opinions expressed by tonight's guest and topic of discussion do not necessarily represent the official policy or position of Spaced Out Radio. Spaced Out Weekend, Spaced Out Radio Limited, its hosts, syndicated carriers, or anyone associated with this broadcast. Would you like to connect with us? Head to spacedoutradio.com for all your latest show info. And hit us up on Twitter using the hashtag SpacedOutRadio. Now, back to Dave Scott and S.O.R. Welcome back to the second hour of Spaced Out Radio tonight. I am your host, Dave Scott. Good to have you with us. Tomorrow night on the show, John Tenney is going to join us. We're talking skepticism and belief in the field of the umbrella word paranormal. We get going at 9 p.m. Pacific, midnight Eastern time, right here at spacedoutradio.com. Hey, we want to welcome in our terrestrial stations, the United Public Radio Network, live on 107.7 FM in New Orleans and over 160 countries around the world. Good to have you with us. We're also live in Noonan, Georgia, on WQEE 99 Rock the Key. 
Check them out today. They are rocking every single day. Thank you, Ryan O'Neill, for bringing us aboard on your station every single night. We're also live in Las Vegas on Renegade Talk Radio and on Revolution Radio. Remember, the Double R Machine is a donation station financed by you, the valued listener. Head on over to freedomslips.com and donate today. Bill Cardwell has set the password for tonight in the SOR Space Travelers Club. Zenzi Zenzi Zenik. Zenzi Zenzi Zenik is your password. Make sure you use it wisely, space travelers, especially if you're playing Scrabble. That's that's a big score right there. Bill sets a password each and every night right here on spacedoutradio.com. If you want to follow us on social media, you can do so on Twitter at spacedoutradio. Also use the hashtag spacedoutradio to connect with me live during the show as well because I love connecting with you guys. You can also give our Facebook page a like, Spaced Out Radio Show. Tune us in on TuneIn. Download our shows from iTunes. We're also on RadioGuide.fm, TalkStream Live, and on Stitcher. Our website is SpacedOutRadio.com, where we have a plethora of features for you, including joining the SOR Space Travelers Club for 5 bucks a month. Read up on the Encounter online as well, our brand new news section. And if you head on over to Patreon.com, that's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com, you can become a Space Out Radio patron as well for as low as $1 a month. Tonight we are talking with Greg Bishop. RadioMysterio.com is his, or Mysterioso.com is his website. I apologize for that, Greg. But he is a ufologist. He is somebody who has researched absolutely everything in this field going back 20-some years. Greg, welcome back. Hi. I'm not a ufologist. <laughs> Your website says differently. It does? Well, not in those words, but I just kind of threw it out there. <laughs> I'm trying to cover my ass here, my friend. Yeah, I understand. Yeah. Yeah, I'm blaming your website because there's a lot of UFOs on, and aliens on there. So. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff on there. With, you mean the Radio Mysterioso site? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we, that's, that's probably 75 or more percent of the uh, interviews is about... Uh, the UFO subject, different ways of looking at it, and kind of like deep thinking on it. Um, I hesitate to call it that because it makes it seem like I'm I'm trying to force it. This is a really smart show, but no, it's just you know we talk about you know more about how we look at the subject more than what it might be because I'm trying to get away from putting a um, a model on it just to see what happens. Right. Well, let's get into the field of ufology because I got to tell you, man, as an experiencer, as someone who has seen UFOs, especially up close and personal, and as well as someone who has had extraterrestrial contact, this is a field that is very, very close to my heart. And when I see someone like Tom DeLong come along, and I'm going to be honest with you, I've only read what everybody else has read online. I haven't seen his movie. I haven't seen his his information as much as I probably should. But I look at him, and, well, he's he's filming that documentary that he has. Right, him. right. He's got short, he's got like little short pieces and vines and stuff that you can watch. But I don't think he has any full, full thing full length yet. But yeah, he's planning on doing a bunch of stuff. Absolutely. When you see someone get that head over heels into this field as he has, what's your first impression? Uh, well, my first impression was that he was a famous person that's very into it. And there's 
tons of people like that. Many, many, many musicians, actors, artists, all that are into the subject. Um, most of it don't take it to the to, to the uh, lengths that he has, though. So that 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 was my first impression. Uh, past that, uh, we can talk about that. Mm-hmm. Well, do you think though that with the information that he has, I mean, obviously he has the money to back himself. You know, he really does. I mean, he made millions in the, in his music career. And if he wants to take the rest of his life off and dedicate it to this research, he has the backing to do so. He has the backing to probably self-fund it. Where do you think someone like him, though, gets all of this information? Because he's been very public saying that he's talked to government officials, military officials, reporters. Well, he has. How does How does one earn that, though, Greg? Because it's not like they're speaking out about this every single day. I think they earn it. I don't know about earning. I think they earn it by, one, being persistent and bugging these people. Because, you know, he's emphasized over and over that he approached them. Now, if you and I or anybody we care to talk about would approach uh, anybody in the government saying, look, I want to tell your story if you want to push something out there and... and, uh, I've got the wherewithal to do it. Um, they'd say, no, you don't. Go away. You're crazy. Um, but if you're somebody with a bit of notoriety, not a notoriety, but whatever you want to call it, um, fame, and uh, the money to back it up and a persistence, and then probably on top of all of this, most importantly, do not contradict what they tell you. Meaning, I will say exactly what you tell me to say and put that right out into public because that's what you want me to say. I think the the people he's talking to that's their favorite part of his his involvement. And there there's a there's a you know I think there's a specific reason for that because they've got a view of the UFO subject that they want people to know about and they want people to be on board with. I'm not exactly sure what that view is, um but if you if you look at uh what is it Peter Peter Lavenda his his co co-writer on uh, on the newest one, I think it's called Gods and Men. I think the Secret Machines franchise, the second book, seven hundred page book. I don't know who's going to read that whole book, but um, his idea, uh, Lavenda's idea, and he talked about talks about this freely and talked about it on uh, Coast to Coast a few weeks ago. Um, is that uh, human history is a history of being involved with a extraterrestrial race or non-human race that has uh, controlled our evolution and um, uh, religion and civilizations and everything for all of recorded history. And that's where, you know, he's, he's, he's fairly certain of that through his research. I'm not so certain. I, 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 I think his research is good and I, I, I pay attention to it and it's, it's well-written. I don't know if I'm on board with it, but um, the fact that this is what's being represented is what's coming out of the, the, the secrets of the government. I think that's the message. Um, the message is not we're going to disclose, you know, alien technology and all that. I think the message is we think that something that is not us is controlling us and we have to fight back against it. I, I, I think that's their message. And I've suggested that in a few places and people kind of ignore it. But I, I just looking at what the book's about, I'm. Um, you, why would you lend your name to that being in the government if you weren't on board with that message? 
And like I said, I think they're trying to push a message out through him, which is why they like his cooperation. So do you think then that he is just a shill? Or do you think that he's actually getting somewhere in his role in this disclosure movement that he has created? Um, do you mean getting towards some sort of truth? Yes. I think he's getting... He is the mouthpiece for a, a certain viewpoint. That, that's what I think is, is going on. And, and he's happy to be the mouthpiece for that viewpoint because the information excites him. It excites a lot of people like him and people that pay attention to this information. It excites me, too. It's just that I don't, I don't find it compelling. I, I don't find it compelling enough to say he is right or whoever's talking to him is right. It's interesting, but I'm not sure if it's true. Um, and the fact that the fact that he is a mouthpiece makes me wonder what's going on too. If he was free, I don't think he's free to say I don't think that's right, and um, you shouldn't. Uh, and, and I don't think I'm going to put that in the book. I think he dutifully reports exactly what's said to him. Mm-hmm. Whether the stuff that's said to him is is the absolute you know gospel truth, I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. I, I kind of think it isn't, but that's just me. Mm-hmm. So then you would lean towards more he is kind of like a puppet for whatever information they want him reporting. Yeah, I don't know if I'd use that term, but yeah, I mean, I, he's more like a mouthpiece. I don't know about a puppet. He just says, I am I will take what you said and I will repeat this out to people because I, that's what you want to be your message. And you can tell me some of the details and other things you're not telling everybody else because it helps me understand but it, better what you're saying and helps me believe what you're saying a little bit more. Because he certainly isn't saying everything that he's being told. He said that publicly. So what message I, do you... I, I don't think it should stop, and I don't think it's it's evil or anything. I, I just think it's something you should keep in mind when you're looking at what he's saying. Right. And so what message do you think, then, that he is trying to get across if he's not getting the full perspective? Uh, what I said a little bit ago is that the, uh, the, the alien presence is true and it is not good and it is, uh, um, it is something that has been in the background and shaped our civilization since there's been civilization. Uh, I, th- I think that's the message. Um, and there's a lot of people that are convinced of that. They don't have to have the government or people in the government telling them that. Uh, and I think that there's some people in the government that do believe that. If I had a if I had a mouthpiece to say exactly what I wanted to say, I th- and um, and uh, they would say exactly what I wanted to say, and I could affect large amounts of people by doing it. I think I'd do it. I'd do the same thing. Have you ever talked to any of these people that have talked to him about the information? No, I haven't. Um, it's supposedly a, a group like the Collins elite, which uh, Nick Redfern wrote about in uh, in one of his books. Basically, a group in the government that thinks that we are under some sort of control by by a non human intelligence. I, I think that's what uh, that's where his information is coming from. Um, and I, I like I said, everything I've heard so far is uh, is exactly what um, fits in with that scenario. Definitely. Did that answer your question? Absolutely. 
you know, and Dennis brings up a good point in the chat room here. He says, essentially what Tom DeLong is saying is that we're all toast. We're all done. Do you believe that? Um, no, I think he's uh, what I think the message is we will be toast unless we pay attention and do something. I think that's the message. Uh, I think I, I think we're going to be toast too if we don't pay attention to do something, but not not because of what Tom DeLong's saying or even what what he's saying. <laughs> no, that's for a whole different show, Greg. Whole yes. different show on what we're doing <laughs> around here. So, when it comes to the field of ufology, then what do you like to study? What intrigues you about UFOs and extraterrestrial contact? Uh, one, I don't. I have stopped using the term extraterrestrial and alien because I think they're too loaded. Um, two, what really interests me interests me now is, you know, oh yeah, Nick's book was Final Events. Thank you, Steve. Um, uh, and two, I'm really interested to find out two different things. One, what causes UFO reports? Not where are they coming from? Who are these people? I want to know what causes the UFO report. Something happens to people. They see something extremely strange that they've never seen before. At least, you know, people that see it for the first time, which is most people. And they have a reaction to it. What the hell's going on in those few minutes or whatever it is when, when that's going on? I really want to know what that is. And I'm stopped saying it's aliens coming from other planets because I have no, absolutely no objective proof of that. Nobody has. I mean, objective proof meaning you can just bring somebody else who had no idea what you're talking about and say, look, this is what it is. You can't. It just You, you can't do that. Mm. So... Anything we say about the subject is it, most of the things are, uh, at least for the source, is a um, is a guess. It's a belief because um, I'm sure something's going on. I'm just not exactly sure what that is. And if I expand it to I'm not exactly sure, um, then that that means I can't make any assumptions about it anymore. So I'm trying this kind of mental exercise where I don't make any assumptions and see what happens. It could take years for me to have any kind of realization or anything like that, but I'm trying to be as agnostic as possible. I wrote an essay recently, and I said I think the, the best choice, uh, the best thing you can do studying the subject is, uh, the best attitude is, is um, total interest and complete agnosticism. So I'm trying to live up to that. Um, the other thing that interests me is what I said earlier. It's like, you know, maybe it's coming from a place where everybody experiences it differently. So it's like drugs, you know, set and setting. Um, whatever you have in your psychology and what comes from your uh, uh, exposure to the subject or non-exposure and your your background and your culture and all that, I think all that goes into determining what is seen and what is reported and what is remembered. And the second part, and, and since it is so democratic, I'm trying to figure out how could you, what method could you give to somebody to have their own experience instead of just having it happen by accident? Is there some way that you can cause something to happen on your own? Because if you can do that and have, you know, have 50, 60, 70, 
more percent of people have some sort of reaction, that will push things forward. So, you know, and that goes into areas of, I was giving a talk and they said um, at the International UFO Conference, the one where they announced DeLong was the Ufologist of the Year Award winner. I, somebody asked at the end, um, well, what do you think, you know, what can we do if you think all these changes should happen? What can we do to, 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 to maybe, you know, push these changes? And I said, I don't know, something like maybe like divination. And I got, I got, a, I got a small round of applause. Meaning, you know, old uh, like people did tarot card readings or I Ching or whatever. Just some way to affect your own mind so that uh, that more things can come in and you can have a little wider view of what's going on. And then on top of that, um, do something active like meditating or concentrating or I don't know. I, I really don't know what method, but there's got to be a method you can give to people where they can have their own experience. And when that happens. When people start having their own experiences, even if they don't agree on exactly what it is, they'll know that there actually is something there that is not them that is causing weird things to happen, um, culminating in a UFO experience uh, for a lot of people. But I think it encompasses a lot more than that. I talked to somebody recently. He gave me a method for doing things, and he said, first he said, don't do it. And the second thing he said was, people that do do it, they never get what they expect, and it never happens when they think it will. Just like you and I were talking about before the show. Yes, and I can understand that. So, in the end, what should we be trying to solve in the field of ufology if it isn't little gray dudes coming down and saying, take me to your leader? I think we should be trying to solve, one, while we're, why we're interested in it, and two, trying to get ourselves out of the echo chamber that it's become over the last 50 years. Um, and that's a tough one, and it involves it doesn't it involves people doing things actively in small groups or on their own. It does not involve somebody like a group like MUFON going out and asking people questions about what kind of ship they saw. I think that's a dead end. Um, I think the future of it is active participation by people who are very interested and non dogmatic. Uh, like I said, that's just me. But I think that's what's really important right now for people, if people really want to go further with it. And um, joining groups and all that, I think, is unless it's a small group that have a very specific um, focus, I think it's a dead end. Large groups are kind of a dead end because they become – there's a group dynamic and a group think and a, you know, a top-down and all that, and that's, that's – <laughs> the subject is not like that. The subject is completely democratic. Um, and I think we should mimic that in the way we study it, if that makes any sense. So do you believe then that the everyday person who works nine to five, who has a a mortgage car payment, you know, the wife, the two kids, the one dog, one cat, who all of a sudden starts having these phenomenal experiences, do you think that that is any recognition to where research should go or is it that we've heard too many of those stories and now let's find the balance of why this is happening? Mm, I think that people are having strange experiences should be listened to. They should be, they have a place to express what they're, that what the, is, is happening to them. Um, and I'm not talking about having a, an abduction, UFO abduction researcher hypnotize them and tell and ask them leading questions, which I'm absolutely convinced is what happens. Um, 
I, I think that, that that kind of stuff is, is uh, it, it's an echo chamber again, and it's just, I think the, the, the phenomenon takes on what we think it is in a real basic way. And I don't know if it's the phenomenon's fault or ours, or both. I have a feeling it's mostly us. Does that make sense? It, it does make sense. You know, but I guess the way I'm coming at it is I'm one of those people. And I'll, and I'll personalize yeah, it. Had, I haven't had that experience. So if I have that experience, all this I'm saying might go out the window. <laughs> it, it, exactly. And, and you know, and I'm not, I'm not wishing it on you. I don't wish, you know, even though for the most part my experiences have been very benevolent. You know, I'm not saying I'm coming on here, oh, they sent me a message about love and and how to open up my my chakras and everything like that. No, man, it changed my it changed my absolute direction in life. And and, and yeah. you know what I'm talking about when I say yes. that. You know, there I I think there's too much of that in my opinion. I want to get down to why did this happen to me? Why me? What did I see? How did they get in contact with me? Who put them up to it? Why didn't they bring me any beer? Because I am Canadian and I do like beer. You know, <laughs> and and honestly, why haven't they come back? This is what I want to know. Yeah. You know, I don't care about the downloads that they give me and I feel really smart <laughs> now. You know, I just I just don't I just don't feel that. You know, I want some seriously straight answers, as a lot of people do. But if, yeah. we, for, if we forget about the experiencer, how do we get the information of what is happening? Because there are so many people having so many different experiences with different races, different ships, different programs, different times of the day, missing time. And when you glue it all together, I don't feel any closer than I did five years ago when I got hauled into this mess. Yeah, well, and you may, may never feel that. I don't, I don't know if you'll ever get an answer uh, that you're happy with. And I'm not saying not listen to the experiencer. I'm saying the exact opposite. should listen to them and not, not track what they're saying. I wonder how, if, you know, if 100 researchers would talk to abductees and not assume what's happening to them and see what happens. I don't think that's ever going to happen. I'm not denying the experience. Something very strange is happening to lots of people. I don't know what that is. And I, I, would, I, would, I would hope that people that are studying this would have the same attitude. I don't know what it is. Please tell me what happened to you. I have no idea what it was or what happened to you. And I'm just going to let you talk. That's how I feel about it. And if that was the case, I bet that the experience would start changing into something else. Almost just as profound, maybe even weirder. Do you think that answer lies on this planet as to what is going on? I think the answer lies a lot closer to us than it does off this planet, yes. Meaning, if we can figure out how we perceive, remember, um, react to, uh, you know, everything to do with our psychology and our neurological makeup, if we can figure out what's happening there, Maybe we can figure out where that signal's coming from and how, and what it's like when it isn't garbled by being because we're not video recorders, we're not tape recorders. Everything that comes into our consciousness is colored very heavily 
by our personality and everything. Memories are just like that. Memories are made to be useful, not to be accurate. I'm I'm pretty sure of that after reading lots of literature and talking to a few people who know about these things. Mm -hmm. And I think if we can get past that, a lot of the answer... The the beginning of my essay I wrote, uh, I, I had a quote from Gray Barker, the old UFO researcher. He gave a talk once, I think in the late 60s, I had a recording of it, or a friend of mine had a recording of it, and I heard it once. And he said, I think if if you look deep within yourself, that's where you're going to find find the UFOs. And I think that, that that's a very profound statement, and that, that makes a lot of sense to me. It's coming from outside us, but it's so garbled by who we are. Maybe there's no way to tell them that, you know, what it is without who we are. And maybe whatever that thing is, it doesn't even... There's no interaction until, you know, maybe they need interaction with us just to know who we are. But during that interaction, we we put all of our metaphors and everything on it. Mm-hmm. I wonder if there's a way to pull away from that. And if there isn't, is there a way to figure out what's going on while still honoring that we're never going to have an accurate viewpoint? What I'm, you know, the, the example I give is if I was sitting 10 miles away from an abduction or any kind of close encounter, and I was looking through a powerful telescope that let me see exactly what was going on, I I am almost certain I would not see what, what, what was going on in the way the person standing in front of the thing was experiencing it. I'm almost certain. Mm-hmm. And I want to know why that is. Do you think then, Greg, that looking into this whole ancient aliens theory is even relevant to trying to find the answers of what's happening today? Mm, it might be, but I'm not interested in it. Um, actually, you know what? I, w- I would be interested in somebody that was thinking along the same lines as me and looking at this ancient aliens thing and what might have been. Because, you know, there, there, there's that old, uh, the, the, you know, Passport to Magonia by Valet from the 1960s, um, where he said this stuff has been happening for hundreds, maybe thousands of years. It's just, it's a different, we, we cloak it in our metaphors each time. It's angels, it's leprechauns, it's fairies, it's... Uh, um, whoever that's in a Western context, but there's ones in you know, there's there's indigenous contexts, there's Eastern contexts, but it all has to do with some intelligence that's not us coming from somewhere else. A lot of times from the sky, or at least where we think it's coming from the sky. So you know, that's interesting to me too. It's just people make a mistake, I think, where they say, "Well, we have the answer now." There are people coming from their aliens coming from space. I was like, "Really?" Because you think you're more right than somebody 100 years ago that thought it was fairies. I, I seriously doubt that. I think we're just looking at it with a different filter each time. And, you know, in 100 years or whatever, I, I it'll be something else. It's going to be something else unless we figure out how we um, categorize, think about, remember all that, all, all the things I talked about just a couple minutes ago. It's, it's, it's really It really lies with us. We got to figure us out before we figure out whatever it's the whatever an alien is. Mm-hmm. You know what? And I I tend to agree with the ancient aliens theory on that. It, to be honest with you, it doesn't interest me. But what does really intrigue me when I do look back is we see hieroglyphics, we see paintings, and we see a lot of spacemen or UFOs in the sky in some of these hieroglyphics in Egypt, the Mayans, and in very religious paintings at times. And that does make me think that there is something to the the whole ancient alien theory. But 
to me, listening to whether it's a television show or a lot of people talk about it, it's just a bunch of hyperbole that they're trying to explain to make themselves or the topic relevant, rather than trying to figure out what is happening today with people who are being taken and disappearing. I think there should be more information put onto what, say, David Pauleeds is doing with Missing 411 and all this kind of stuff, rather than worrying about what happened centuries ago and millennia ago, and whether or not aliens helped build a pyramid. Yeah, well, I I kind of agree with you. The only thing I, I would say is I think people put a lot, way too much emphasis on saying this looks like an alien from, you know, 1060 uh, uh, BC. It's like, how, how do you know what they're what they were looking at, how they looked at things, how they, how people at that time in that culture um, uh, depicted reality or whatever they thought was reality. I, it's, I think you make a big mistake in, try, in taking something that we think is a certain thing and then applying it to some old, other older, completely foreign culture. I think that's a mistake. Um, th- you know, that being said, uh, like I said, I, I do I do agree that people have been experiencing non-human intelligence for the entire history of, of humanity. Um, I don't know where that comes from, though. And, uh, you know, what you say about TV shows, TV shows are probably one of the worst places to find out anything or believe in anything because they have an agenda. They have they're trying to sell product. They're trying to sell their image and all that. And so all that goes into, you know, selling an image and whatever the theme of the show is. I've been on three TV shows and I've almost been on like 10. And the reason I was almost on 10 is one, I'm not too photogenic. And two, (laughs) and two, or at least I don't think I am. And two, I don't say what they want me to say. Um, a lot of times they'll say, you know, what do you think about this? And it's like, well, I think this and this and this and this. It's like, well, that doesn't make any sense. And it's, you know, it's like, well, it does make sense to me. That's not what we're trying to say in this show. And it's like, well, I'm not going to say what you want to say. You came here to get my opinion, not yours. And you, that, that's what happens on all of these TV shows. You have to realize that they all have a, an agenda and a, and a message. And... Um, I don't know if I agree with a lot of them. You know what? I've only had that experience once, and that happened just a few months ago. My audience doesn't even know about this. I had this, <laughs> I, I had this, this television company. They they were wanting to do a show on Dogman here in Canada. Uh-huh. And, however, when they contacted me, they, they wanted me to know, they interviewed me over Skype, and they wanted... Every time I said Dogman, they would stop me and they'd say, can you please say werewolf? And I'm like, well, we're not looking for a werewolf. <laughs> well, for, yeah. for this series, we need you to say werewolf. And, and you know, I'm, I'm honest. I'll say, well, if you, how much are you paying me to change this? Right? Either way, I haven't heard from them since, and neither is Linda Godfrey. God bless her. Yeah. Love the lady. But that's I just... I, I, uh, I corresponded with her a few years ago. I've, I haven't heard from her in a long time. She actually put one of my experiences in her most recent book. Ah. Yeah, she she fell in love with... A, I had a black triangle over my house uh-huh. in, in 2014. 
And she actually, after I told her that story, she's like, I'm looking for a black triangle story. Can I use that in my book? I'm like, yeah. So I had to do this whole interview with her. It was kind of cool. And I had to sign this non-disclosure agreement, which I put one um, amendment in there that I needed an autographed copy. I still haven't got my, <laughs> still haven't got my book. I still haven't got it, Linda Godfrey, if you're listening. I'm waiting. <laughs> But yeah, I got to pick up the book and I have to see my story in there because it's kind of cool to know that I, that you know something that I saw actually got printed and published. So Yeah. Well, you got to write your own. It's a bit it's, oh, it's no. a pain in the ass to write a book, but get get to work on it. No, I'm trying to find the right writer to be honest with you. I'm trying to find You're not going to write it yourself? No, you know what? I was, and I'll and I'll be honest with you. Number one, I have a face for radio, so that's why I don't do anything on camera. Not that that has anything to do with, uh, with you know, writing a book. But, but the hard part is, to be honest with you, the way I'm trained to write is everything in thirty seconds. Ah, uh, yeah. And that's a radio journalist attitude. Is mm-hmm. everything has to be done in thirty to thirty-five seconds? And you've so, been doing it for so long, that's the only way you know to write it. Exactly. So even when I sit down and I write my blog that I do every week, Greg, I literally have to have to go back and reread it a couple of times because I always find places where I left out information that I need to detail a little bit more. Yeah. Yeah. It's 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 it'd be kind of freeing if you had to write long form but it'd probably take you a while to do it maybe you get somebody to help you with the first one see what's going on see how they did it and that might help i will i i just gotta i just realized that um i have a good story about how weird something might be and you know something that really makes a lot of sense to me even though it makes no sense and i'll try and shorten it up and it's about crop circles you want to hear it absolutely fire away I was assigned to do a crop circle talk for uh, the East Coast Para Conference in uh, Nova Scotia last year. I am not specifically a crop circle researcher, although I'm very interested in it. I've been interested in it for a long time. Um, I started doing some research, talking to people, um, getting the talk together, and I realized that my previous belief that maybe some are unexplained turned into almost none. And the reason that was was because I talked to people that made them. And the people that made them not only told me how they made them, they also told me, showed me videos of themselves making them. And I thought, you know, how do you do such an elaborate? They make big, elaborate crop circles in the middle of the night. Sometimes it takes them two nights. The weird thing about this is that um, right before I was going to do my talk, a friend wrote to me and he said, you know, he lives in southern England, not not in the crop circle area. In uh, oh, I can't remember what the district is called. That's where Stonehenge is. Um, he said that he went he, all his life. He's thought, I really want to see a crop circle, and he's never been able to do it, or he just didn't have the time to go out and visit one or whatever. And he lives in England, and you know, it's not a small country. You, you know, there's distances to drive. He woke up one day last year in the in, near the middle of the summer, I guess July, and there's a there's a uh, site that tells you when crop circles have um, appeared. That they'll say, "Oh, this crop circle has just appeared," and you know, within hours, it'll tell you on the site. And he realized it was basically <laughs> a ten minute walk from his house, where there normally weren't crop circles. So he went over there to look at it. He walked over there. Um, 
He had to walk for 10 minutes. It's like out in the country in England. He went down these narrow little paths, got to this field. He looked at his GPS on his phone, and he found it. It turns out it was a hoax because it's a big alien head um, crop circle. Uh, not a hoax, but, you know, somebody made the circle. It's very obvious. Um, and it was done very neatly. He went out and sat in it, um, you know, and then, then he started to leave. When he got to the – and this this is a, you know, absolutely a, a man-made crop circle made by people stomping on bush, on, on crops. He gets, to the, he gets to the edge of the property to leave. There's a big fence there, you know, like a big fence that swings open so tractors can go through. And um, still there? Oh, yeah, listening intently. Okay. He gets to the fence, and there's a guy standing on the other side of the fence looking at him. And it's like, you know, he's got kind of darker skinned. I guess he's from Pakistan or India. Um, he's got a nice expensive camera around his neck and, like, you know, a, a polo shirt on and, um, uh, you know, sensibly dressed man. And he's, he's standing there, and as my friend comes out of the field, he says, uh, he says, hi. And my friend says, what are you doing here? Come to see the circle? And he said, what circle? He said, there's a crop circle right here, right in this field. He goes, the guy says, I didn't know about that. And he said, well, what are you doing out here? He goes, I'm just taking in the air and having a nice walk. So he said, well, why don't you go in there and take some pictures? You got a camera. And then the guy said, how do I do that? He said, well, climb over the fence. And he said the guy had to think about how to climb over the fence. Like he didn't know how to climb over a fence for some reason. Um, And as he's climbing over the fence, he says... I hope the police don't come by. And the minute he says that, the second he says that, a police car drives by. Right behind him. In this tiny little lane, you know, that's barely big enough to get the car through. What the hell are they doing? What the hell is the car doing? The cops doing out there? He goes into the field and he stands there like 30 feet from the fence and takes a bunch of pictures of the, nowhere near the crop circle. Takes a bunch of pictures of the field. Um, then starts to leave. And my friend's going, don't you want to see the crop circle? And the guy said, no, no, I just wanted to get some pictures. As soon as they get outside the fence, the guy starts asking him questions about, do you think there's other life in the universe? And and they're walking along talking about this. And he said, the, the, uh, the they get to a, a leaf that's hanging off a tree, you know, like from a spider web. Right. It's just kind of hanging there, twisting in the breeze, something you see all the time. The guy stops dead in his tracks and says, what is that? And my friend said, it's a leaf. It's hanging from a spider web. And he said the guy walked around it, looking at it from like five feet away, like he was really scared of it. And then they continued walking. Um, and then they got to a certain point, and he asked him where he lived, and he said, this place was like 20 miles away. And he goes, how'd you get here? He goes, oh, I just walked here. 20 miles in July? So finally, they, they, you know, they say their goodbyes, and he said he walked off. He didn't even walk down the road. He just walked off into a, into a little stand of trees out in the, in the forest there. He said, I was half expecting him to disappear in, mid, in midair before, you know, dematerialize before he walked away. But all this happened at a place where there was a, a crop circle that was, that was obviously made by people. So what was going on? Who was that guy? What was he doing there? Why did the police car get there right when he said, I hope the cops don't come? I don't think this was all set up for his benefit. I mean, in a, in a normal way. So that's the kind of stuff that really interests me and makes me go, what the hell is going on? The stuff that doesn't make any sense at all. Because I think there's some there, there's some clues about the subject in those in those extreme those high strangeness uh, uh, aspects. 
So that's to, that, it's just an illustration of something that really interests me and why it interests me. There is a real human factor to all of this and gentlemen like that. There's also people out there at times who have been able to, lack of a better term, summon UFOs or experiences. Mm-hmm. Do you believe then that certain people have that ability to do that? Yeah, I think they do. I don't know what they're summoning. I'm not going to put a, a. I'm not going to say they're they're able to talk to the aliens. I think they're able to cause something to happen through the force of their will, and I don't know how they do that. That's another aspect of the cross circle thing. I talk to people that make them, and that, and you think, oh, no, they're just hoaxing people and you know and making people look stupid. It's like no, they consider it artwork, and on top of that. They say that the weird things have happened, like they've seen orbs flying around, they've seen Mothman-type creatures, they've seen heard like werewolf or dogman-type things making noises, something that doesn't live in the countryside in England. They've had flashes of light in front of their faces that nobody else can see except the person that sees it. And these are people that are admittedly making these circles. What is going on? I think it's a lot deeper than aliens from other planets or, you know, the government making using microwaves or whatever. There's there's something very deep in the human experience that's been there forever that is being called up by by people doing these things, including people that say they can call down, you know, um, UFOs or what we what we consider UFOs or, you know, orbs of light or whatever. I can tell you this. I never considered myself a summoner, but I can tell Uh you this. Almost every time I wanted to go outside and see a UFO, my wife and I saw one. (laughs) Out of of all the UFOs that I have seen, I would say most of them I knew it was going to happen. I don't know how I knew. I don't know why I knew. The night, in the story that was in Linda Godfrey's latest book... I had it literally a few hours before that. I called up my buddy. We're talking to like 2, 3 in the afternoon. I said, hey, what are you and your wife doing tonight? He goes, nothing. I said, it's a nice spring night. Why don't you guys come over? I have a little fire pit on my patio. We'll have a little fire. We'll crack open some beers, and we'll see some UFOs tonight. Yeah, sounds good. Yeah. 20, I come. 20 minutes later, there's a, a rod flying across the sky. Well, that's kind of cool. His wife is freaking out because she was brought up Catholic, and you know how they get around the whole UFO demon thing. Mm -hmm. And then 20 minutes after that, that's where the triangle appeared above our house. I got to come visit. Yeah. I'm still waiting for that to happen. I want something, you know, I've I've been out on sky watches and all that, and I don't know, maybe it's just me, but people say, what is that? Look, and it's like, that's an airplane. And they're like, well, how do you know? It's like, I'm a pilot. It's a red light and a green light and a flashing red light. That, that's, that's a plane. And mm-hmm. I don't know if I'm screwing everything up by saying those things. Mm-hmm. Maybe I am. Maybe I'm screwing with the whatever is cause, is, is you know, Maybe I'm messing up the signal. So, yeah, if I ever come and visit or the next time something's going on like that, I'm just going to shut up and, and, and believe along with everybody and see what happens. I fully agree. And it's weird when it happens, man. The day I had, and I'm not trying to turn this about me, Greg, so please, I hope you don't no, take no, that. I, but I, I but, fully understand. I have conversations on my show, and I do the same thing. That's what keeps it interesting. Please go ahead. The day I, or the evening that I had my landing 
well, not my landing, whoever they were, their landing happened in front of me. I thought I was getting a migraine. Until 30 minutes later, I thought it was shapes, I realized that it was shapes pulsating in my head. And then I got hit with an anxiety attack that I needed to go outside Mm. at at my friend's house in the backwoods of our town. And next thing I know, I say, hey, you called us outside. Where are you? And the entire force lit up on my command. Happened three times. Hmm. And to this Wish day, been there. I, I was there, man, and I could tell you this. It's one of the greatest mysteries of my life that, you know, if I, you know, I'm a, I'm a firm believer in God, man, and that's one of the questions I'm going to be asking him. I'm going to say, what the hell was that? <laughs> you know, what kind of game were you playing with me there? Because next time, I'll go. And it's funny, I had this conversation on a radio show, because I was a guest on a radio show earlier today, mm-hmm. and I had this same conversation. My wife and I, believe it or not, have actually had that talk. What happens... If that happens again, what do I do? And I told her point blank, I said, honey, I got to go. The good part for you, babe, is you'll collect the life insurance. <laughs> right? But I have to go. I and don't I, think you're going to be gone forever. I think you will, you, you will have something very amazing to talk about, though. Yeah. And I'll tell you, man, I, I really hope that I get that opportunity again. I really mm-hmm. do. You know, I really, really hope that it happens again. And if it doesn't happen again, I'm going to be left with a life of wondering, however long, whether I got 10 years, 20 years, or another 50 years. I'm, mm-hmm. going, to be, I'm going to be stuck wondering what happened that day. Or when, I came yep. fa- or when I came face-to-face with a lady named Samantha Mowat, 20 minutes after I met her. And found out she was an ET, lifelong ET contactee. And 20 minutes after I meet her, I'm face-to-face with an extraterrestrial. At 2 o'clock in the afternoon. Wait, were you by yourself? No, with her. Oh. Right? Broad daylight, absolutely. Did you touch this thing? Uh, I was too busy. I almost said the word. Crapping my pants. Yeah, <laughs> right. I yeah, literally. I would be too. But here's the thing, you know, Greg, when you have that close encounter experience mm-hmm. and you sit there and you think, you know, and people are always like, well, why didn't you pull out your iPhone? Why didn't you take pictures? Why didn't you run up to it? Because when you were standing that close, and I was 200 feet away from this being who was 10 to 12 feet tall. And when you are standing that close to something that isn't supposed to exist, the last thing on your mind is I got to get a picture of this. Exactly. Yes, exactly. I've talked to people. I told you. <laughs> well, I know you have. I know you have. But there's always I that mean, you're just so stunned. You're just like, yeah. blah, 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 blah. You're not. How can I document this so other people can see? You're just like, I got to take all this in before it's not happening anymore because I don't think it's happening. Exactly. And I'll throw another wrench into that situation with you, my friend. Uh Okay. There were two beings there. I couldn't keep my eyes off the tall guy. There was another being there about five to six feet tall. He was like a gray, except he was tan in color. And Samantha 
had recognized him. And her and him started talking telepathically. He says to her, you're more than welcome to come on over here and say hello, we are not taking you. However, we are very concerned about the man's health. Because they knew internally, here I was crapping bricks. Yeah. And I'm the same person who, and I will fully admit this, I'm the same person, Greg, who who really strongly believed that all aliens are bad. I saw fire in the sky. It was a true story, man. Little do you know that it's not. But at the time, I thought it was real. And I'm thinking, holy crap, here's aliens in front of me. I'm about to explode. And here they're worried about my health. That doesn't sound evil or malevolent to me. Yeah. Is there, did you find out that there was something with your wrong with your health later? No. No. Because okay. I was thinking it was one of these Edgar Casey things, or other people have said this, like aliens said there was something wrong with my, you know, with my liver or something like that. And then I find out, you know, a, a month later that I have uh, I have liver cancer and it has to be taken care of right away. And if they hadn't told me, that I would have died. That kind of thing I've heard many times too. And I'm sure people listening to the show have. Well, and that's the whole key. That's the whole key. And sometimes I, I usually don't go off like this, my friend. I really don't. You know. No. Because, well, um, I, I asked you to go off on it, and I'm interested to hear. People don't. You know, people they, they hear me talking, and they think I'm just gonna like I'm just debunking horrible. It's like no, I'm interested in everything. I'm just not interested when people one are fanatical about it, or two trying to shove it down my throat, or three they're just you know you know um, bat crap crazy. Um, but I'm very interested when people say this weird thing happened to me and I cannot explain it and I don't know what's going on. That I like to hear because I want them to, there, there's answers in their questions or at least some understanding in their questions, at least for me. And the, the same thing, you know, uh, talking therapy. Um, if somebody talks to you about something enough and examines the thing enough, they get, they get insights sometimes. So that's interesting to me. And it, and that, People come up to me at conventions. They just tell me their story. They, they come up and they go, could you sign a book for me? Oh, by the way, here's this thing that happened to me. And I listen to them. And nine times out of ten, they say thank you and walk away. They don't ask me what happened. They don't ask me to explain it. They don't ask me to validate it. Just want to tell somebody that's not going to laugh at them or say something, you know, uh, sarcastic or whatever. Because I don't. I want them to be able to tell me what they think happened to them. And maybe that just by saying something, it helps. So if you were in my situation next time, would you go? Yeah, I'd walk over there. I'm an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can. I've been on th- like we, we went out looking at this lava tube one time out in the desert. I was with Dave Childress and a couple other people from Adventures Unlimited. I guess he's on um, Ancient Aliens a lot now. Anyway, we were out there, and we, could, we were saying, I wonder if there's another entrance or another lava tube we can uh, look at. And I go running up this big thing up to the top of this hill, and everybody's like, where are you going? I really wanted to see what was at the top of that hill. I could have twisted my ankle or fallen down a mountain or whatever, but I really wanted to see. So that's when I, you know, and that's happening to me more than once. Like, who's going to go in that hole, that cave, and see what's going on? Give me a flashlight. I'll go look. It's really stupid of me, I guess. But when you ask me that question, I look at my past performance. I think I'd go. I, I think. 
I haven't been in that situation. I don't know what I'd actually do, but I think I'd go. I'm definitely going. And like I said, my wife and I have already had that conversation. Uh-huh. And if it were to what happen again, oh, she's an experiencer herself. Oh, okay. So that you've got an understanding. So yes. that you don't have to, you've got all the preliminaries taken care of. I, I see. Yeah. So, I mean, the only thing is, you know, I guess saying it on record, you know, because this show will be recorded and last forever, that, you know, if I don't come back, she's going to have one hell of a time getting my life insurance policy, trying to explain <laughs> this one. You know, but but to be honest with you, I think it's at You'll that time. come back. Don't worry. Well, I'm pretty sure I will, too. You know, as long as it's not too long. I just, I honestly hope that if I do get that opportunity again, and I do walk up and they say, hey, you want to come for a ride? And I say yes. I just hope that they let me remember it. Yeah. That's all I want. I'll I just want to Take it out of their it. hands and just say, look, I'm going to remember this. Just say it to yourself. Don't, don't, don't you know. We could do that. And on that note, we're going to hop out for our final break of the night. Greg Bishop is our guest. Talking UFOs, aliens, and more coming up right after this. Remember, head to our website, check out patreon.com, spaceoutradio.com, where you can learn, where you can support the mighty SOR and read up on the SOR encounter online. Everett and Eric are putting some good stories there. We'll talk to you right after this break. The SOR Sightlines is a place for you to find answers to your strange experiences. Hi there, this is Mike Schmidt. If you have had an encounter with ghosts, UFOs, Bigfoot, ETs, or anything else that doesn't make sense, head to spacedoutradio.com and file a Sightlines report. All information you give is 100% confidential, and I will personally help you find the answers you need. SOR Sightlines, your answers are a click away. Have you got your Cosmic Passport? If you need one, tune in to Cosmic Passport on Spaced Out Weekend. This is Elizabeth Anglin, ET experiencer, spirit medium, and host of Cosmic Passport. Each weekend, I'll be bringing you interviews and support from other paranormal experiencers and the best in intuitive spiritual guidance from across the globe. It's all happening starting at 9 p.m. Pacific Time, midnight Eastern, on spacedoutradio.com. Hi there. I'm Butch Wachowski, lead investigator with the Cop. On the final Monday of every month, you can listen to me and host Dave Scott on Spaced Out Radio's Strange Days. We're going to get to the heart of the matter when it comes to what's happening out there. People are seeing and experiencing things from ET contact to Bigfoot, and I want to hear about it. Your experiences are what we investigators need to help solve these unknown mysteries. So tune in at spacedoutradio.com to the final Monday of every month from Butch Wachowski's Strange Days. Visit purpleplates.com today. For over 40 years, the Purple Energy Plates have been delivering amazing results for their many customers. Inspired by the great genius Nikola Tesla, the harmony, healing, and energetic effects of the plates have proven over and over to be beneficial and often miraculous to thousands of customers. With their money-back guarantee and the many benefits, how can you afford not to get one? Check their site for daily specials and choose from their many energy products. You won't be sorry. Visit them today at purpleplates.com for mind, body, and spirit, and expect a miracle. This is your medium, Joanna, from Spaced Out Weekend, Two Mediums and a Large. I would love it if you would come and join us with host James Tyson every other Sunday on Spaced Out Weekend. 
Together, we will take your calls and your questions live. Our goal is to provide you with a positive outlook on deep questions that you may have. Questions regarding love, relationships, money, or whatever else is on your mind. Come and check us out at spacedoutradio.com. This is Eric Markham, news editor for the Spaced Out Radio's The Encounter Online. We have put together a great team of writers and journalists from all over the world to bring you top quality paranormal stories from alien encounters to the latest conspiracies. You won't find any of that fake news here. True stories and top-notch reporting as we look to bring these experiences to the mainstream. The Encounter online only at spacedoutradio.com. Patrolling the Pacific Northwest, we are always on the lookout for the strange and unassuming stories that real people are experiencing. Hi, I'm Vincent Zunza from Pacific North Weird. Me and Alexandra Sullivan have teamed to bring to you those odd stories that never seem to make it into the mainstream. Stories so weird that we'll leave you scratching your head wondering, is this real? It's as real as it gets with Pacific North Weird. You can watch our videos right here at spacedoutradio.com. Become more intimate and interactive with Spaced Out Radio. Join our Space Travelers Club with your new membership. For $5 a month, we'll provide you with special access to the website, monthly prize draws from books to psychic readings, along with monthly newsletter, private interviews, and more. Sign up today to be part of Spaced Out Radio's experience. Looking for a place to advertise at a very reasonable cost? Look no further than Spaced Out Radio. SpacedOutRadio.com has an advertising tab that you can click to check out our daily, weekly, and monthly packages to play on the radio, or our website including social media. From commercial spots to banners, we have it all. Check out our competitive pricing today. Don't have time to listen to Spaced Out Radio Live? Wherever you are, the car, the office, the shower, or even if you're traveling, we're right here for you. Each Spaced Out Radio show can be found on iTunes, TuneIn, and on our YouTube channel, Spaced Out Radio Show. It's the perfect way for you to catch up on our shows. For more information, just head over to our website, spacedoutradio.com, and tune in to us today. You hear footsteps in the empty room above you. A rocking chair begins rocking by itself. Don't be afraid of the things that go bump in the night. Reach for Spirit Story Box. The iPhone app the Huffington Post UK called the only ghost hunting app you will ever need. Spirit Story Box. The spirits are telling their stories. Are you listening? Strange creatures lurking in the night, the sounds of wood knocking in the forest, odd happenings right out of a fictional world. These are the reports I love. Hi there, this is author Ronald Murphy, and I would love it if you'd join me and Spaced Out Radio host Dave Scott the second Wednesday of every month on our journey into the unknown land of cryptozoology at spacedoutradio.com. From Mothman to Frogman and everything in between, hey, they don't call me the crypto guru for nothing. Did you know that Spaced Out Radio runs seven days a week? Hi, it's James Tyson from Spaced Out Weekend. Every Saturday and Sunday night, starting at 9 p.m. Pacific, midnight Eastern, you can join me and my guests for some great chatter about what's going on out in the universe or even in that dark part of the basement you really don't want to go back into. Well, let's find the answers to your experiences together. So come on up to Uncle Jimbo's cabin on the weekend. For more information, 
Look us up at spacedoutradio.com. The views and opinions expressed by tonight's guest and topic of discussion do not necessarily represent the official policy or position of Spaced Out Radio. Spaced Out Weekend, Spaced Out Radio Limited, its hosts, syndicated carriers, or anyone associated with this broadcast. You're listening to Spaced Out Radio with Dave Scott. Follow Dave on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio and hashtag Spaced Out Radio. And on Facebook, Spaced Out Radio Show. Now, back to the program. Welcome back to the second or the third hour and final hour of Space Out Radio tonight. I am your host, Dave Scott. Tomorrow night on the show, John Tenney is going to join us. We're talking skeptic belief. We're going to go over the disbelief and the stories that make us wonder if it's actually happening and compare it to the experiences people are having. 9 p.m. Pacific, midnight Eastern time at spacedoutradio.com. We want to welcome in our terrestrial stations, WQEE 99, Rock the Key, down in Noonan, Georgia. Good to have you with us. We are also live in New Orleans on 107.7 FM, the United Public Radio Network in over 160 countries around the world. Love being live in Las Vegas on Renegade Talk Radio, as well as we are on Revolution Radio. The Double R Machine is a donation station financed by you, the value listener, head on over to freedomslips.com and donate today. Bill Cardwell has set the password for tonight in the SOR Space Travelers Club. Zenzi Zenzi Zenik. Zenzi Zenzi Zenik is your password. Make sure you use it wisely, Space Travelers, because you don't want to be caught without it. If you want to follow us on social media, you can do so on Twitter, at Spaced Out Radio. Use the hashtag Spaced Out Radio as well. If you want to chat with me or comment during the show live, I am right aware of what is going on. It's right in front of me. Give our Facebook page a like, Spaced Out Radio Show. Tune us in on TuneIn. Download this show and others on iTunes. We're also at RadioGuide.fm, TalkStream Live, and on Stitcher. Our website is SpacedOutRadio.com, where we have a plethora of features for you, including joining the SOR Space Travelers Club for 5 bucks a month. Read up on the encounter online, our brand new news section. And you can go to Patreon.com if you want to check out what we are doing there. We got some really cool swag to give away if you want to become one of our patrons for as low as $1 a month. Check it out today, patreon.com. Tonight we're talking everything revolving around UFOs, government disinformation, and experiences. Greg Bishop is our guest tonight. Greg, welcome back. Hello. I changed rooms here. I hope it's still coming in fine. Oh, you're sounding beautiful. You are sounding beautiful. Absolutely. Great, yes. Yeah. Yeah, then the investment in this uh, interview microphone was worth it. <laughs> very nice, very nice. You know, the, the blue series of microphones will always do that. Yeah, yeah. Cool. It's, uh, it's, everybody says it makes me sound bassy. A um, lot, lot of low end in the, in the Yeti mic, which I guess makes sense, right? <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. But the main thing is, we got you back for the final hour, and this is going to be just as fast as the first two have been. I can pretty much guarantee that. Right before the break, we were talking about experiences, and there's a couple questions that come along here. And Bob is asking, Dave, what if the aliens return you to the wrong place and time in history, the past, the distant future, or the wrong planet? If they do, I'm grabbing... Or before I go, I'm going to make sure I get a sports almanac. So that way, I can be rich by the time I get back to where I need to be. (laughs) 
I am definitely doing that. I'm going to be betting on sports and elections. Las Vegas is going to love me. Absolutely. And Mike is saying, Dave, if you go for a ride, you have to come back and tell us what happened. Well, that would be the point. I'm hoping. <laughs> I'm hoping to come back, but we will see if it happens. Let's see if it happens. We were talking about if you would go or not, Greg. In all the people that you have talked to, are there any stories that absolutely stick out for you that you think there is no way this can't be real? Mm. No, because of my agnostic stance, I don't know if any of this stuff is real, but I'm interested in just about all of it. You know, for instance, you just told me what happened to you. What am I going to tell you? You didn't see what you saw? I can't do that. It's not my experience. So I'm interested in what your impressions were and what your memories were and how it affected you emotionally in your life. Um, so in that, in that sense, there, you know, just about every story is interesting. There's like extremely weird ones that I've read about. Um, Oh, I was just at the international UFO Congress. Um, and I was at, at one of those parties in people's rooms where you get to hear some cool stuff. And, uh, there was a MUFON investigator that it, it, uh, and I think that this has been broadcast. I think that the witness was actually on a couple of shows uh, is a woman. It's another weird one that I love because uh, I, I told the host of the party, I said, I like the, uh, the stranger, the story, the, the more I like it. And she, and um, there's a woman, she said, Oh yeah, I got one for you. Talk to this guy. He said he had, and this was within the last few months, I think. He said he had um, gotten a call from a man, and he said his daughter had had some weird stuff happen to her the night before, uh, and he wanted she wanted to talk to somebody, so they called MUFON in Arizona, and this happened on the uh, Navajo Reservation, um, or at least on a reservation. I don't know if it was Navajo. A woman was driving home from work in the evening. It was dark, and a basketball, I think, size, sized white orb started pacing her car. Out in the middle of nowhere, you know, it's it's on the reservation, so it's like, you know, a lonely road at night. Um, she's wondering what the hell's going on, getting more and more freaked out. The car didn't stop or anything like that. Um, no engine problems or anything like that. Uh, it goes away, and then it comes back, and it's in front of her car, like right in front of the windshield. stays there for a while, or in front of the bumper anyway. Then it goes away, disappears very quickly. She's still freaked out. She gets home. She pulls into the driveway, and as she pulls into the driveway, her headlights light up on the garage door. Sitting in front of the garage door, she said, was a three- or four-foot-high rabbit with plaid fur. I've heard this story. I have, have heard you? this story. Yeah, the giant rabbits. Huh? Giant rabbits of, of the desert. I, I just heard this on my show a few weeks ago. Was it the same same case? Different case, but the giant yeah, rabbits. Yeah. Yeah, there, there is there is a history of giant rabbits in connection with UFO stories. And the, the God, the name of the town was I can't remember the name of the town. Anyway, it was an anagram of the Latin word for for uh, rabbit, which is lepus. And the guy that was telling me the story didn't even know that. I said, I think that's very interesting. He didn't seem to care. But um, Oh, I can't remember the name of the town. It's a little town in northeastern, not really northeastern. It's like near Flagstaff. I could look it up. Maybe my friend on Facebook can tell me. But uh, 
that kind of story, it's just I I I don't know if it's some the more weird it is, the more I believe it. And the reason for that is because the less sense something makes, I think the less chance there is where somebody just made something up. When things are so strange you couldn't even think to make it up up really interests me. Lorian Fenton told me that exact same statement when I was telling her one of the experiences I had was I woke up, Greg, on the table while I was being implanted. Uh-huh. And at the end of it, Lorian laughed so hard because I started complaining to these little alien dudes, and there were three of them, these little gray dudes, that they had to get me back ASAP because... I had to go to the bathroom and I had to pee really bad. And she said to me, she goes, you know how I know your story is real? And I said, how do you know? And she goes, because nobody makes up that they are going to be yelling at aliens that they have to pee. (laughs) She goes, yeah, I don't know. Meaning I don't know if it's true, but I know it's not made up. Exactly. I don't know what happened to you. Something very strange happened to you. Oh, yeah. But you're not making up your impressions of it. I don't think anybody... I realize there's those people out there that want their 15 minutes of fame. Yeah. You know, and you you have to battle them on a daily basis. But I think for the most part, people just want... People just want to know that they're not crazy. People just want that affirmation that what happened to them, that somebody believes them. Right, exactly. Oh, the name of the town was Loop. It's pronounced Loop, but it's spelled L-E-U-P-P. And if you add an S in there, it, you, can, you can spell Lepus with it, which is a Latin word for rabbit. That kind of stuff. Just, it just, I love that kind of stuff. It, just, it, it has an internal consistency that makes me happy. Well, you know what? It's one of those... One of those things that will drive me nuts, I can tell you that. Because if it doesn't, I tell you, these damn UFOs (laughs) and aliens, man, they're all over the place. They're all over the place. What do you think, then, about some of these phenomena, Greg, that, that pop up then? Okay, let's talk about the phenomena of the black triangles. Do you think that they are from outer space, or do you think they are some sort of new age terrestrial craft? Uh, I think at least some, or maybe a lot of them, are terrestrial military craft. That goes out the window when you when people say that it disappeared in half a second. Because a lot of the ones that just came over really slowly, it left really slowly. It's like, well, that sounds like a lighter-than-aircraft, and those things exist. Giant boomerang-shaped lighter-than-aircraft with lights on them. Those exist. You can find pictures of them online. Um. It doesn't mean every time somebody sees a black triangle or boomerang-shaped thing that it's it's one of those one of those lighter than aircraft. I don't know. I think that a lot of times it is, but not every time. That's another thing when um, people uh, fundamental. I don't use the term debunker because things have bunk in them and they should be debunked. I don't use the term. Um, I use the term skeptic, I guess, because a true skeptic is somebody that just doesn't make it, his mind up about his or her mind up about something. Um, but what I call a fundamentalist skeptic is somebody that already has their mind made up and they try to force an explanation on something. Oftentimes, it makes no sense whatsoever, and is sometimes even stupider than just saying it's aliens or whatever. 
Um, but uh, I forgot where I was going with that. What did you ask me? <laughs> let's just Delaire? move on. Yeah, let's just move on. How about that? Well, it's 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 just uh, it, it to me. It's much more interesting to let somebody tell their story than to start thinking. Oh, it was the triangle thing? The triangles, um, yes. Yeah, yeah. I I think that in a probably in a majority of cases, it's probably a lighter than air surveillance craft or some military thing. And in a minority of cases where other things start happening, like stuff comes out of it or um, people have missing time or uh, the thing, like I said, the thing leaves really quickly might, might be a different story. I did have somebody on my show once. He said that he, and he wouldn't tell me his name, the company worked for or anything. He said they were working on neutral buoyancy aircraft. And he said what the, what it was was something with light, you know, lighter than air capability, but also had a series of engines or something in them that could make them move really fast, like in a way a UFO might. And I don't know. I've never seen anything else about it. I like to find out more about it. But um, you know, if somebody was testing something like that, I think they should. They would be pretty happy to have everybody think that it was aliens from another planet they had seen, and not some extremely strange aircraft that could do things that UFOs do, or seeming do things that some UFOs can do. So you know, I, I leave the door open for lots of things. Do you think then that the majority of craft people are seeing up in the skies then are man-made? I have no idea. You have to take it on a case-by-case basis. That's a mistake people make. They think it's got to be one thing or the other, or I believe one thing or the other. I don't. That's what I said. You have to deal in probabilities and uh, what you might accept. And it's just like politics. It's, it's compromise. Politics is not I'm taking my ball home and, and you know, uh, if you don't play ball the way I want, I'm taking my ball home. It's, it's compromise. And I think that's the way you should look at a lot of this weird stuff, you know. And there's a giant, giant, giant basket of I don't know. And I'm fine with that. I'm, I'm not. But then again, I'm, I'm on a different spectrum than you are. I'm on a different plane. You know? Yeah, well, if what had happened to me, you happened to me, I might feel differently. I hope not. But, you know, for example, um, Mike Cleland, you know who he is, right? Y- yes. Yeah, um, he wrote the book about uh, UFOs and abductions and owls. Yes. That's how he's known as the owl guy. Anyway, I... I don't know what's happened to him. It hasn't happened to me. I don't know what the experience was. But he does his darndest to be agnostic about it. He says, look, something's happening to me. Something that's not me is affecting me. Something that seems to be intelligence is affecting me. But he's not making any judgment calls about what that might be. He makes a bunch of different judgment calls, but he doesn't stick to any of them. And that, that to me, is amazing and brave. Mm-hmm. And that's the hard part. Is I yeah. know I know even with my own experiences, I try and stay down the middle. I w- I want to know yeah. the actual answer. You know, I'm not sitting here. I can only go by what I have seen and what I've experienced, which has changed my beliefs a hell of a lot compared to what they were at one time. Mm-hmm. Couldn't help but have that happen. No, yeah. no, you can't. You know, and the, but the big thing is you still have to try and. I don't want to use the word skeptical. I think that's that's sometimes not the right term that should be used. But you still want to have some sort of 
well, lack of a better term, sanity to your answers. <laughs> yeah. You know, and that's what it comes down to, is when we have people who have these experiences, they immediately want to delve into absolutely everything. Was this a spiritual bowel movement? Was it something along the lines of 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 a horror movie gone absolutely awry? You know, because everybody's experience is different. Then you have the people who, you know, like I said earlier, they 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 want so bad to have that experience that they don't care what happens. And in the end, it still doesn't fully explain what's going on or why this is being caused. And if you don't have that question in your mind, I don't think we're ever going to be able to solve the absolute mystery. Mm-hmm. What 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 question? I'm sorry. Repeat the question in your mind. On on how to figure out what is going on. Uh huh. You know, was what you know? Like I want to know. Like I said in my interview today, Greg, that I did earlier today. That if I ever found out that the Canadian government knew about these abductions going on and this contact going on, I'd probably file a, a lawsuit. Because, Why? Because you figure it was there that they, if they hadn't told you about this, you wouldn't be in the in the uh, existential pickle you're in. Absolutely. Uh huh. Okay, Ab- I understand. Absolutely. And you think about it: the extraterrestrials, good or bad, if they're taking us, it's kidnapping. Yeah. Okay. It's against my will because I didn't ask for this, and if I found out that my government, or if many American people found out their government knew which is a high possibility, if you go put the conspiratorial tinfoil hat back on, this opens up a whole new ballgame. Because yeah, there's, a, well, there, there's a lot of things that could crack open a Pandora's box, getting back to the whole disclosure movement. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I still think the disclosure is ignorance. of, uh, But yeah, like I said... <laughs> From what you're saying, ignorance is no excuse. We know what's going on. There's nothing we can do about it. Mm-hmm. You know, if there's nothing they can do about it, it still doesn't make any sense that you're not saying anything about it. Well, it makes sense. It's just not ethically right. Correct. Uh-huh. Is there a way so, though? Is there a way though to bring those ethics to this whole genre, especially with the experiences and how different they are? People are having. Hmm. I don't know. In fact, it might be ethical just not to say anything about it because maybe they're on the same wavelength as me. As soon as you make a decision about what it is, that becomes what it is. There's a Whitley Strieber story I keep bringing up all the time, which is uh, um, a few years ago, I don't know, maybe 20 years ago, he said or wrote something, which somebody will probably tell me where it came from, um, that what the government was trying to cover up in the 1950s, 60s, and maybe up to now is belief in something that gains power if you have belief in it, if you know what I mean. So the the cover-up was the only way we we can fight this is keeping people from paying attention and believing in it, because if you pay attention and believe in it, it it gains power over us. Um, And that, that, you know, that's a, out of a lot of scenarios, that's one of the more likely ones to me if you want to get conspiratorial. So where do we go from here? What are we to learn as 
modest everyday people who are having these experiences. Who do we go to to try and get some enlightenment of what's going on if you can't trust the media, you can't trust the government, and a lot of researchers are out there saying, we need to look, be- your, your story is important, but we need to look beyond that. How do, um, how do we cure he- people's fears? Uh, I don't know. Um, the closest I can come to that is is uh, support groups where you get to talk to each other um, without somebody saying we're we're a, a UFO abduction support group for a- victims of alien uh, abductions. I, I think that that that's the wrong tack to go on. But the right, the, the probably a better tack to go on is we've all had this weird experience. What can what what was it like for me? You know, what was it like for you? Let's talk about it and try and be open-minded about it as much as possible because it's such a disturbing and and uh, destabilizing thing. But I think most of the power and the answers are going to come from people that have experienced the weird thing, sharing that with each other and seeing what they can come up with, not looking for a big, big brother to give them an answer. Because, it, like I said, that's like the disclosure movement. I'm asking for an answer from a, a source that I don't trust. That sounds completely insane to me. And if you don't give me the answer that I'm expecting you to give me, it means you're covering it up. I think that's another another problem with the uh, disclosure. Um, so I, I think we should be our own disclosure. Um, it, however, however unorganized and silly and, and, and pie in the sky that sounds. That's my gut feeling. Do you believe then that the government is covering up any technology that could be alien based? I don't know. Possibly. I, I, I have I have no objective proof of such a thing. So I have to leave it in the maybe and I'm gonna stay interested and keep my ears and eyes open box. If you if that makes any sense. I mean, I, I can't make an assumption about something that I have no way of proving to myself other than with, with rumor and leaks and belief systems. So, I'm, you know, I, I think I'm trying to be an actual true skeptical person where you don't make a decision on something until you've got so many facts in, your, your, uh, in, in the basket you can't really, you know. You get to the point where it's like, okay, I've, I've reached the point of, what's the word, uh, a reasonable doubt. I don't have a reasonable doubt about it anymore. And as far as the UFO thing is, I don't have any, I haven't reached a point of reasonable doubt with almost anything. Except for some of the things I've said on this show already, like crop circles and, and uh, uh, that things really are happening to people. And uh, that I think my method of trying to figure out what's going on might, might bear fruit if people, if people use it and I use it, which I am. So, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm not sure about almost anything, but I'm very interested. Like I said, total in, complete interest in total agnosticism. <laughs> <laughs> so let me ask you this then. Out of this entire phenomena, what do you believe? Or what do you think? Let me ask you this. Phrase it this way. Phrase it yeah. this way. What do you believe is plausible? Uh, that there is something that is not human that interacts with us occasionally and has been doing it for quite a long time. That I'm pretty sure of. Like in the, you know, 
my reasonable doubt has been uh, satisfied as far as that is that idea is concerned. There is something that isn't human, and it does interact with people, and it is intelligent or appears to be, and so and maybe even self-aware. Other than that, I don't make any assumptions. Do you buy into the theory that as many people who say they are being taken truly are? Mm, I don't know. I wasn't there. I believe that they believe what's going on with them. I've got serious doubts that they have not been influenced in what this what has happened to them. And I think it's really easy to influence for ourselves to influence our own thinking and other people to influence our thinking when we're involved with something that's unfamiliar, that's frightening, um, destabilizing, all the other things that go along with whatever the the abduction scenario is. Um, like I said, I, it hasn't happened to me. It's happened to people I know. It's happened to people that are sort of close to me. I don't, and they 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 realize that I don't, you know, I don't one hundred percent believe that their version of what's going on. But I want to listen, and I want I want to I, I want to see what their experience is and what can be gleaned from that, especially if it's something that's off the radar and completely weird because there, there, there's, like we said before, there's truth in that strangeness, I think, or a little bit more truth in that strangeness. Mm-hmm. What about the idea that, yes, you believe that people are are having some sort of experience, but do you buy into the idea that maybe just maybe they are chosen to have this done. There's a lot of people out there who believe anything to do with abductions comes from some spiritual or higher self or higher conscious level. Or is that just way too far out there for you? Mm, No, but I'm trying to, you know, I, I think it may be, like I said, this hasn't happened to me, so this is just my opinion, but I think it's less chosen and more open. You know what I mean? Where your tuning is going to tune in this stuff a lot a lot easier than other people. So you're open to having that. You've got the door open in your consciousness for this kind of thing to happen to you. Um, and so it does. If that means being chosen, I don't know. If the, from your point of view, it seems like you've been chosen by something outside of you. Uh, well, so be it. I, I'm not sure. But I think it's a tuning, more like a tuning, you know what I mean? Open to it, ready for it, whether you're consciously aware of it or not, and whatever it is comes through that door. Or you open that door and step out of it into whatever might happen. I don't know, on some level. Does this make any sense? It totally makes sense. But I'm just trying to find the commonality between what you believe which I shouldn't say you believe that which you were trying to to understand it is my it is my current feeling my current, current feeling. thinking that, yeah that, my current a, thinking is always changing it it changes from year to year and from year to year and from person to person who I talk to and thing to thing that I read or whatever it's always changing mm-hmm. um because I see things that work a little bit better for me mm-hmm. like I said I might have an abduction experience at some point and all this all this theoretical stuff I'm talking about will be meaningless to me at that point. I do not know. I hope not, but I don't know. Mm-hmm. What about the phenomena would make it 100% proof for you? 
if people could experience it on demand? Man, that would be fun. Yeah, well, see, that's why I'm pushing towards people trying to figure out a way for somebody to experience a weird episode or contact with something or at least a sighting of something through some sort of common method that everybody, almost anybody can use or anybody for that matter. Um, the problem with that is that, you know, people have, I think it's very much affected by your mindset, your belief system, everything. So it's, it's a tough one. It's very, I think it's a very individualistic thing. It's like, it's like the elephant thing, you know, with, with somebody that's three blind people and one person thinks it's all leathery and one third person thinks it's round and, and uh, snake-like and another thinks it's uh, like a piece of rope. And they're all looking at different parts of the elephant, but it's the same elephant. And they're just all getting different per- impressions of it. I think that's kind of what's going on with the UFO thing. The point is, is to have everybody experience the elephant in, somewhere in, the, in some way and then start to put together that puzzle that ends up with elephant or whatever it is. I, I don't think it's going to be that simple, but I think that's a that's a model I think is is doable, or at least something to aim at. Would you like to see the government tell what they know? Is that even relevant anymore? That's a great question because when, as soon as you said, "Would you like to see the government tell what they know?" I, my first reaction was no, because how are you going to trust it? And besides, the government isn't the government. It's a bunch of different people with different agendas and in different agencies and different all that. There's no one person that speaks. Maybe the president does, but not not everybody likes a president. Not everybody likes a Supreme Court. You know, the government does not have a spokesman. Um, So if you hear something from it, it's just one. It's one person or one agency or one group's view of what's going on. Um, Whatever they have to back it up, which I don't think I don't think there's any pieces of information sitting there there that would unequivocally tell us what what's going on and the other thing like i said about the disclosure movement is if you don't you know if they don't hear what they want to hear it's a cover-up even if it might be the truth like jack nicholson said in a few good men you can't handle the truth (laughs) but it's not you can't handle it's like i think people the the truth whatever that might be is so wrapped up in what people think it might be, that there's no way to tell a truth that applies to everybody. I'm sorry if this sounds like a little nebulous and silly and all that, but the the, the subject is so weird that I think we have to think about it weirdly, if that makes sense. Well, a lot of people who will listen to you for the first time, Greg, will say, well, you sound a little fickle on these topics. You sound very, you know, somebody who has been researching a long time, they expect you to have an opinion. And you can't blame well, them I'm for sorry then. <laughs> I think the only intelligent thing to do is to not have a fixed opinion, if you as much as possible. I, you know, I, I, that's, I think that's a problem. People want an answer now. If you're talking about a moral thing, like should this person not have killed this person or or, or stolen from them or whatever, those are specific, imp- important questions with very specific answers. Um. When you get to our aliens visiting this planet and abducting people, that becomes a lot less determined, I think. It's really, really up in the air at this point. And it'll probably stay that way for quite a while. 
So yeah, I I I did a lecture once, and somebody said, you know, it doesn't seem like he wants to come down on one side of anything. It's like, well, I don't, and it's not because I'm afraid to express an opinion. I'm expressing one right now, pretty strongly, and the opinion is not to have an opinion until you've got so much evidence in your camp that you've made up your mind. Some people have. I may not agree with them, but I I can see why they came to their conclusions. Make sense? Yeah, it totally makes sense. And I understand that because I see you taking a straight and narrow journalistic point of view on this. But there's a lot of people out there, Greg, who would battle that belief that you have and that I have and other people in this field have by saying that they can't live without the answer. They can't live without knowing. Because oh, well, then they should go look for their answer then. I don't, don't listen to me. But isn't that you what know, we, it is. as a media, and that's what you are, you're part of the alternative media because you have a radio show, you've written books, is that yeah. they might respond and say, is that not the purpose of why you're on the air? My purpose, my personal purpose for doing what I do is to find things out for myself and to gain, to gain information for myself. And the part of the ticket of doing that is, is having to write about it, talk about it, and talk to other people about it. That, that's, that's my ticket into my own learning. And my learning, like you said before we came on the show, involves opening a door and then 10 other doors open. And there's, you know, you ask one question and now, now suddenly there's 10 other questions for you to ask. And that's fine with me. I, I don't mind. Because after, you know, for the whole time I've been looking at this, I've come up with a method where I seek answers and don't care whether I ever get the answer. I, I really, really, really don't care whether I ever get an answer. And if I do get one, it's going to be because either everybody else knows it at the same time or I get my own personal answer. And I haven't found that yet. And maybe I won't. And like I said, I don't really care if I ever do, because if I close my mind off and say it's this one thing, because of my personality, I'm always going to be wondering if it's the right one. And 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 uh, and another thing is certainty scares me. It's like authority to me. Authority scares me. You know, authority that's forced upon you or that you impose upon yourself. That that's a real basic thing in my makeup. So maybe that's why I don't like having the answer on something so strange as UFOs and. And ghosts and cryptozoology and all that. Although some of those things have a little more well-defined, I think, things that are more like answers. The UFO thing is, is the weirdest one to me, which is why it fascinates me the most, I think. So in your opinion, then, you say people should go search for the answers themselves, but they may reply, and maybe it's not just to you, Greg, but to other people who are out there in this field researching, they say, well, who, how do I find this information on my own when I don't know how? And that's why I'm relying on you, much like I would rely on a doctor to give me a diagnosis on what is happening to me rather than going to Google and playing your own doctor. Well, that's... There are people who I like to listen to whose opinions I trust. But they never tell me what I should be thinking. They just they just advise me in the way that 
you know, here's a good example of something. Here's an interesting way to think about something. I never listen to people that say they have an answer, especially about UFO stuff, because if they say they have an answer, they're wrong. <laughs> if there's anything I'm sure about in the UFO thing is if somebody says they have an answer for something and they're absolutely right, they're not. Because every time somebody comes up with an answer in the UFO thing and tells you that's what it is, there are a hundred people that can tell them why they're wrong and they, and they're and they've got a good point. So why say you have the answer? Um, and answer is a bad word. Uh, something I've, I, I wrote about recently too in, in this uh, um, essay about what I call co-creation. It's um, if you having an answer means that you you push yourself towards, and answer, which means you're answering a question that you've already made your mind up about. And that means it's it's a closed system and you're not considering everything. Um, so I thought maybe a good a good word to use when you're you know when you're interested in this stuff is seeking understanding. And maybe an answer will come out of looking for an understanding of something rather than looking for an answer, if that makes sense. When it comes to yourself, do you consider yourself a journalist or an author then, even though you do both? Mm. I write about stuff that interests me. And in my search for understanding of things, like I said before, my ticket to do that is to write about it and tell other people what I have found out. Um, that's why I started a magazine with a couple friends of mine in, in, in excluded middle, um, because I, I basically what, what I found out what I was doing was putting myself through another type of school. Um, I got to talk to people. I, you're, you're doing this too. You get to talk to people you want to talk to one on one. You get to ask them whatever you want to ask them, and you could do that, I guess, on your own, but. People want to be heard, and there's certain things set up for the way people get information out. One of them is, you know, websites and blogs and newspapers and and books and magazine articles and all that. And if you're a, you're a journalist or a writer or an author, you have an you have a ready made excuse to ask people questions. And so it's been very selfish from the very beginning. I wanted to talk to people who really interested me and have a good excuse to do it. Mm-hmm. So that that that's what I'm doing, and if if it means I I am labeled author or journalist, then that's fine. But I still get to talk to people. I still still get to call people up or write to them or whatever. And every once in a while, they say, "Yeah, I'll talk to you," and I can ask them questions that you would you know you read somebody's book or you see them on TV or whatever, and you say, "What is that person really about? I wonder why they said this," and you get to do that. And it might not even be something that you publish or put out in your thing but you got to ask them the question so i think that's why a lot of people have podcasts and stuff now i mean probably half of it is for ego because people like having a show but the other half um if they're honest with themselves is because they want to be able to ask direct questions to people that they want and you know where they want answers so it, it was long-winded but that's i i that that's why i do what i do for, for in, understanding answers and because it's interesting damn it Oh, absolutely, it's interesting. Do you think, though, that the field is oversaturated not only with opinion, but ego? Oh, definitely. 
that's a, it's another thing that I've been like my little hobby horse now is get ego out of this thing. Get it right out of um, U- UFO study because it's, when your ego gets involved, you stop losing. You you're, you're, you start looking at the finger instead of what it's pointing at, if you know what I mean. You know, it's it's uh, you want people to pay attention to you. Here I am saying this. I'm on your show. I have my own show. I've written stuff. But and, you know, I like people to know my name and all that. But I think, you know, it's really important that people maybe I've, I've tried this with a few people try and form a group where there's no real if there's a leader, it's very loose. Um, you don't tell anybody what you're doing uh, until you're finished and you don't put anybody's name on it, at least publicly. Just some, try to get ego out of the field as much as possible. Uh-oh, I'm feeding back. Is that possible, though? I mean, there's a lot of people out there who are spreading their word like their word is God. Especially well, then stop when it comes listening to them. The public can't though because they get all they get all excited and happy because the person's either on TV or in a movie or in documentaries that they may watch on Netflix. That's yeah. a lot of pressure. Are, you can't do anything about that. However, people listening to this show and my show and these other shows and all that, um, they can do something about it. Listen to the person that's that you know seems to make the most sense to them, no matter what their little ego trip is. Um, and I, you can't save everybody. That's another thing that the people on both sides of the issue, that skeptical people and, and people that are really into UFOs, they say, well, if you believed me or we did things this way or, you know, we had some authority to go to, that would make it better. No, it wouldn't, because the, 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 the uh, phenomenon is so strange that whatever, whenever somebody makes a bunch of rules, the phenomenon will, I guarantee you, as much as I know, will start breaking those rules. So how do you start to rid the ego from the field then? Because we see it in every aspect, whether it's UFOs, whether it's cryptids, whether it's ghosts. Mm-hmm. One, of the, one of the things I've been beating the drum on over the last number of weeks here on this program is how many people, especially in the cryptid and ghost world, will make their observations and discuss them and argue them like they are proven scientific fact. And none of well, those... Well, then they're... Yeah. Then they, well, they're wrong, then. If you talk about it as, let's look at this and, and consider these things rather than proven scientific fact, I, I'm a lot more likely to listen to you. Um, maybe that's a thing. It's kind of like, you know, when the, when the uh, uh, Westboro Baptist Church goes out and protests and everybody gets mad... I think it's very, very telling that a couple times they've gone out, you know, they tell everybody when they're coming. You know who I'm talking about, right? Absolutely. Yeah. They go out and tell people when they're coming. A couple times where they were going to do their protests or whatever the thing, basically they're, they're, they're just going out there to bother people and make them mad. So the only time they've ever been not effective is when nobody shows up. If nobody shows up, they leave. So if you think somebody is in it for the ego, stop listening to them. <laughs> Nothing is worse for an ego with, than having nobody listen to them. Hmm. Without naming names, are there certain people that you just won't listen to anymore? 
Yeah, there's tons of people. Well, most of them because I'm not interested, and a few of them just because they're so annoying to me. And by far, it's outweighed by it's like I'm just not interested in that aspect of it, which is you know most most I'm I'm, I'm not in, interested in far more things than I'm interested in. <laughs> See, I haven't got there yet. I'm still way too new for that, my friend. Maybe in 20 years I'll still be like that. Maybe in five. Who knows? Yeah, it, it, you know, different people take different time. I used to drive home at night in the 90s after reading uh, Bud Hopkins' book and thinking that there was every chance I was going to be abducted on the way home. And as far as I know, it never happened. So... After a while, I just got tired of thinking that way, and I moved on to other things. And it through it through it, you know, a series of I'm not interested in that anymore. That doesn't bother me. Whatever. I I've narrowed it down to um, the question: What causes UFO reports? You know, and I, I'm very interested. And that you know, there's so much that stems from that question that that's keeping my interest right now. Um, when somebody says, "Here's a video of a UFO," I I could not care less. Because you know what it's going to do? Nothing. Because the people that already believe it will believe it, and the people that don't believe it won't believe it. So what? That's what's been happening since almost the beginning. <laughs> so, the, you know, you move into other areas, like like I said, like perception, psychology, memory, um, things like that. Uh, uh, how people react to trauma. Uh, how people's lives are changed by by something that happens for five minutes, which is amazing to me. I don't think I can't think of anything else that happens for five or ten minutes and your entire life changes, except for an accident. But just something, something that, that an experience, you know. Um, so some UFOs will, do that. Some will say losing the virginity changed and life-altering event, but that's yeah, another story. That's one, that's one of the, that's one of the very few things that'll do it. But yeah, one of the other ones is having a UFO sighting. That's fascinating to me. This has just been, uh, I, I do have to thank you, okay, because very rarely do I find myself not trying to, or not being able to come up with a question, because I'm a babbler, I am a total babbler, and you have made me think tonight. I make myself think, I mean, I think more of that should happen, because if, if more people would um, think instead of opening their mouth and saying, I think this, or, you know whatever, the ego thing, then I, I think we'd be a little bit further along. That, that's it's true in any area of life, actually. Right. Do you think, then, that more people, whether they have had an experience or not, should take the time to read up on this? And if they do, who do they read about? Do they read about the experiences? Do they read about what's causing this? Because there are theories out there. Where do they go? If, if you had someone sitting right in front of you who said teach me where i should look what do you tell them mm. who are my heroes um john keel keith thompson jacques valet um jim brandon uh robert anton wilson um trying to think of a few more uh greg little you should have him on your show um, I'm trying to think of some more. Well, th those are the main ones. If you, if I was going to read up on on very basic things that have formed my 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 
you know, what I, the way I think, those are a lot of the important ones. And not all of them are, you know, uh, some of them don't deal specifically with UFO stuff. Um, so the, the, it, it, people can wa- rewind and listen to this because if they, 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 they can listen to it on a podcast or whatever, but um, th- that'd be a good place to start. That, that, at least th- that's my advice. I don't, I don't know if it's good for anybody else. Um, even people writing now, a, a, a friend of mine, Josh Cutchin, he's written a couple books on on smells and tastes associated with with the UFO sightings uh, and experiences. Um, oh, there's a book coming out that I'm part of in about two months called UFOs Reframing the Debate. There's a lot of good um, thought in that one. Um, that will be uh, it was edited by Robbie Graham. It's coming out in May. UFOs reframing the debate. That that's that's kind of jumping in the deep end, but if you're already listening to this show, you already kind of know the waters anyway. We only got about 6 minutes, maybe 5 minutes left with you, my friend. Mm-hmm. And this has been intriguing. You pushed my mind to a whole new level tonight. Because in the end you're right, we don't know what's causing this. We don't know mm-hmm. if it's, we don't know if it's aliens, we don't know anything about it we try to think we know and i think i'm actually getting your point after three hours on the air with you good i hope i hope so i mean i'm not not trying to make anybody think like i do but when you ask me these questions the main point in my mind is like when i give these answers how do i give people the tools that have helped me to not become ensnared in one belief system because that I think that's the enemy of, 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 well, just about anything, but especially UFO study, is having a belief system on it and sticking to that belief system. Um, Because there's so many, if you have a belief system, there's going to be a hundred examples that do not fit in with that belief system in the UFO thing. So do you continue your search then, or do you wait for it to come to you? Mm, What do you mean by it? In your studies in this, do you continue to search for the information leading towards solving that riddle of what is causing these mm-hmm. sightings, or do you wait for it to come to you? No, no, you have to be active. You can't just sit there and wait for something. You have to be active. And the way I'm being active is trying to push my my thought into areas that I've described to you tonight all through the talk. That that comes from being from actively engaging myself with the subject. Um, I, I think you can't just sit there and wait. That 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 causes that that doesn't do you know that does nobody any good. Um, going out and being active about anything gives you a point of view that you would never have had by just kind of consuming the information. You have to be active with it. You have to be active in your thought. You have to evolve your thoughts. You have to be willing to say that I was wrong. Or I've changed my mind, um, and be easily be able to say that. I talk very often with people that are hardcore skeptics. I don't like a most, not most. I don't like a lot of things they say, but occasionally they point out stuff to me in my thinking that's wrong or erroneous, or I didn't think about it enough, and that's valuable to me. It's more valuable to me than being scared of somebody who doesn't agree with me. But that, you know, that's 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 the same thing I said, like running up the hill or into a cave or whatever. I want to find out what's going on. It's just that's just my personality. 
On a personal note, though, are you putting yourself in situations to have the experience? No, I haven't, and I've got to do that more, especially in light of what people have told me recently, like you know, about uh, maybe how to make it happen for yourself. Um, going out somewhere and, and what, like you do, finding somebody that says, "Hey, I can, you know, I can see these things all the time. Why don't you come with me?" I'd like to see them do that for me. I don't know anybody like that right now. Maybe I'll come see you or go up to James, uh, what's his name, Galilean's place up there in Oregon. Um, yeah, I've talked to many rich. people. Have, yeah, exactly. I've, I've talked to many people who have gone there, and they've seen some amazing stuff. Mm-hmm. I haven't. Chris O'Brien, a friend of mine, he takes people out to look for stuff in, in Sedona near where he lives. He takes them out on, um, on watches, and he says about fifth, sixth of the time, something happens. Um, and it's you know unequivocally not a satellite or an air, airplane or helicopter or anything like that. You know, so it, it it's possible. The thing is, if I did see that for myself, would it you know, it probably make me really excited, but I'm not going to change my opinion. Um, I'll just say, look, that's something very interesting. I don't know what it was, and it wasn't anything conventional. However, I do not know what that thing was. I'm not going to say that was aliens coming from wherever. I don't mm-hmm. know that. It was just a light. If something lands in front of me and something walks out, and tries to shake my hand, I gotta, I gotta think about it a little differently. <laughs> Carry toilet paper, my friend. Carry toilet paper. <laughs> personal, personal experience. No, seriously. I will leave you with this. Sunday night, my wife and I have date night. We went over to our friend Corey's house and sat in Corey's hot tub, and you know, just kind of. Shot the crap a little bit because we're uh, putting on a brand new Paracon, Space Dope Radio Paracon this year up in the town I'm in. And mm-hmm. about 10 minutes before we left, Corey says, hey, that looks kind of strange. What's that? And all night we were counting satellites and seeing if there was any real cool stuff going on in the sky. And there were three orbs flying in a triangular formation. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden... The front one breaks off and takes off in a south-easterly direction. The other two continue on. We lose sight of the one that left the triangle. The other two went all the way over to the Big Dipper's handle and connected with another star there to form a triangle. And that's where they sat the rest of the night. Hmm. I wish I'd seen it. And the Come funny on. thing is, this is for you. Somebody 300 miles away would not see that. It would be a completely different formation. Maybe. Yeah. Very, very true. My friend, tell our listeners where you can find your books and your radio show. Well, you can just type in my author name on Amazon. My newest book is uh, called It Defies Language, which will make sense in light of everything we've said here tonight. Um and you can see my other books on there uh, by just typing in my name. And my show is, is is pronounced Radio Misterioso because I live in Los Angeles and everything here is Spanish. Um, R-A-D-I-O-M-I-S-T-E-R-I-O-S-O. It's spelled like the Spanish way, misterioso.com. Uh, uh, you can download shows there, listen to them on the site. And I usually do a live show on Sunday nights from 8 to 10 p.m. Pacific time. Very nice. Greg, I'm going to get you to hold on. I'm going to wrap this thing up. If you're listening on on the terrestrial side, you hear Mr. Ron Bumblefoot Thal, our music maestro, our guitar god, our resident rocker. 
He brings us in and takes us out every single night. Bumblefoot, the official music of Space Out Radio. Hey, if you go to our website, spaceoutradio.com, make sure you read up on the encounter online. Great journalism stories, including my own blog. Thank you, Eric and Everett, for taking care of the encounter online. You can also join the SOR Space Travelers Club for just 5 bucks a month. Go to patreon.com. Become an SOR patron for as little as a dollar. We have some really cool swag to give you right then and there. And, of course, if you want to listen to our archives, go to our YouTube channel, Spaced Out Radio Show. Tune us in on TuneIn. Download our shows from iTunes. We're on TalkStream Live, Stitcher, and RadioGuide.fm. Tomorrow night on the program, John Tenney joins us. Skepticism. Belief. Where are we going with it? 9 p.m. Pacific, midnight Eastern time tomorrow night at spacedoutradio.com. I want to say thanks to everyone listening in on WQEE 99 Rock the Key and on 107.7 FM in New Orleans on the United Public Radio Network. And to all of you listening and taking part in the chat rooms, thank you for sharing this show. Thank you for spreading the word. We'll do it all again in 21 hours from now. Mr. Bumblefoot, take us home.